Welcome in, everyone, to the Football Addicts Anonymous podcast. Mark is back today. Uh, Thank you, Lord. I don't know. I thought Nate was coming on. Doesn't seem like it. He got the email invite, so I don't know. I I don't. Uh, I'm not texting people, so it's <laughs> not my job. But anyways, Chris, uh, I don't think is going to be on today. He's got some stuff going on, but a uh, lot of college football, a lot of, lot lot of, of interesting, interesting lot of stuff that went on this weekend. Uh, and yeah, let's let's get to it. The NFL, I don't think was as entertaining, but uh, there was some there was some stuff. I I shouldn't say that. There was a couple games. That went down to the wire and we're back and forth. But uh, start off on Friday. And by the way, yes, I am wearing hockey gear. Pittsburgh Penguins. Season starts tomorrow. Friday, as you can see, I'm wearing the number one team in the country. <laughs> Season starts tomorrow. Not that we're going to win. I mean, we don't have our best two players. So <laughs> Anyways. Yes, yeah, so Friday... We had uh, two games that we picked for our show. Number five, Cincinnati, <laughs> annihilating Temple, fifty-two to three. And Desmond Ritter, yeah, th- this is what they have to do. I mean, this is why they are now number three or four, whatever. Uh, three, another three, I believe. If my phone would like to work, I can recall what the actual rankings were. But, yeah, I mean, this is what they have to do. They have to blow out the AAC teams because of their schedule is not that strong. Um, if they're going to get into the playoff, exactly the kind of games they have to have against their conference opponents. Hey, they're, they're up in rankings, a place they've never been. Yeah, three. I love it. Yeah, three. They're three now. Um, yeah, former Georgia quarterback there, Dwan Mathis, transferred to Temple. <laughs> Had himself a fun game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the combination Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, that running game is spectacular. Desmond Ritter didn't even run for much in this one because they had Desmond or, or Jerome Ford. And really, I don't think he's ran all that much this season in general. I think... Yeah, I mean, he's only ran 33 times for 104 yards and three touchdowns this year. I mean, granted, he's ran less and less throughout his career. Last year, he only ran 98 times. But the big thing was is that he ran for 12 touchdowns, which I guess he has three already in five games. Probably not going to be on pace for 12 again, but maybe he can get you know, six or eight, something like that. But anyways, yeah, I, I think Desmond Ritter continues. He's up there in the Heisman still. Has to be. I agree with that 100%. And I think with him running less and less, that's a good sign for NFL scouts, right? It's, it's, it's that development and maturity piece. <clears throat> Cincinnati covered minus 30 over 53. 
three. Thank you, Temple, for <laughs> hitting the field goal. <laughs> All right, the other game on Friday, I got wrong. Number 22, Arizona State beating Stanford 28-10. to <clears throat> This one was um, – Arizona, Arizona State play – where do they play it? Tempe. I thought that. I thought they played in Tempe. I wasn't sure which – if it was Arizona or Arizona State that played in Tempe. But, um, yeah, I would loan Wolf Stanford. I thought, you know – and again, though, it's – Turnovers. If if Tanner doesn't throw three picks, you know, do they win? Maybe. One of them was a pick six. So. I'm not even gonna lie. I don't remember who I picked. I thought maybe I picked Stanford after the game against Oregon, but I also hesitate to ride a wagon too much because each week is different. Mm-hmm. Um. What's surprising to me in all of Arizona State's win is the quarterback play. I mean, Jaden Daniels, you know, was touted as a chance of being a Heisman Trophy winner, and it's not like he's just world-beating people right now. His legs, you know, he he did things with his legs, but he's not beating people with his passing. Yeah, I think that's that's what you have with – Arizona State and UCLA, both in the in the South, I believe, of the Pac-12, um, they're the same thing, <laughs> pretty much. Except DTR is just more experienced than Jaden Daniels is, uh, but it's kind of the same thing. Where they're better runners than throwers at this point, um, even though, like I said, as much as experience DTR has for UCLA, he should be able to throw the ball very well, but. I mean, I can't agree with you more when you're looking at these stats. Look at the Sanford receiving court, and you just look at those three interceptions. If you don't have them, you win the game. Yeah, Stanford was minus two in turnovers, but otherwise they were pretty even. Except rushing. They were terrible. Yeah, granted, granted, that goes the the thing about college rushing stats is that sacks count for rushing yards. So that's why Stanford only had thirteen total rushing yards to two hundred fifty five for Arizona State. Yeah, <laughs> thirteen, and uh, yeah. Anyways, um. We didn't do a defensive guy for the first one, but uh, defensively here, I'm doing DeAndre Pierce. And it's interesting because he scored the touchdown on defense, but he did not have a turnover. It was Jack Jones that picked it off and then lateraled it (laughs) to DeAndre Pierce for the pick six. I don't understand how it's still called a pick six. I guess because it's the same play. It's just two different people touching the ball. Yeah. That's what, I don't know. Anyways, yeah. That was interesting play there. Arizona State covered minus 13 and a half, under 54. Saturday, Red River rivalry. Um, number six, Oklahoma beating te- number 21, Texas, 55-48. And 
I. Where do you want to start? <laughs> Dude, like I lone wolf Texas, and I was all about it, and they really should have won. It's. I think. I personally think that Sark took his foot off the gas, started running the ball too much, when they were having success with Casey Thompson, and throwing it. I don't know. I mean, I, because I've been a Georgia fan and I and I know what that looks like against Alabama, um, in more than one game. I just said, keep your foot down. You have to score, score, score to beat your rivalry and to overcome, you know, what may happen in the game plan changes. And Riley, he changed. Oklahoma looked like a different team under center with Caleb Williams. I actually, you know, my family lives, some of them live in Oklahoma, big OU fans. They were texting me, are you watching this? The team doesn't trust Spencer Rattler. He's not the leader that we need, and they reeled off the most points in red comeback history in the Red River rivalry. And I mean, I thought, you know, Sarkeesian, Steve said it right. Like, after he didn't shy away from letting them back into the game, but I, I thought you, I thought you loaned the world. Well, Lone Wolf this one and was running away with it. I was like, well, there's a loss in the loss column. It was 28-7 to at one point early on. That was the first quarter, I believe, that it was 28-7. to Texas was just rolling. Yes, that was the end of the first quarter. Ended up 38-20 at halftime. 41-30 after the third quarter. And, yeah, Uh, it's just – I was shocked when Kennedy Brooks took the last touchdown, and everyone was. I mean, it was just no one expected – I understand – I don't know if it actually was a thing that Texas let him score. It didn't seem like it. Um, It would have made sense to let him score, though. Yeah, he had more time on the clock. To get the ball back because they already had no timeouts. Um, but yeah, I mean, this automatically ends Spencer Rattler. He's done. There's no chance, no chance he plays again this year unless Caleb Williams gets hurt. A few takeaways besides just this phenomenal game to watch. You know, Bijan got all the hype on ESPN the next day. If you watch anything or every news outlet. And he should. I mean, he was doing things that you saw, you know, Ricky Williams do. But Kennedy Brooks had himself a day, man. And he really is what opened up the success of Caleb Williams. And I and I and I agree with you. I don't I just don't know how you go back to Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley didn't say one or the other, which I mean you're gonna do that preparing for games. So that maybe coaches prepare for both, but I don't know how you get it back. And the one thing about OU that was supposed to be better that isn't better is the defense this year. 
because my defensive player is Luke Brockmeyer, and not not only because of the stats there, but watching the game, he was just everywhere. It felt like he had more than twelve tackles and six solos and one pass flex. My guy is Demarvian Overshone. I put him on the board because of this game and because I've seen him before as well. He's shown up on the show. He was literally everywhere. Regardless of the eight tackles, I mean, he was in the backfield, sacked, two tackles lost. He rushed Spencer Rattler a couple times, recovered a fumble. He also blocked the kick that led to Texas's third score. And, yeah, I mean, he was just a dominant force. And then when you go to the guy beneath him, Nick Benito, he didn't show up until the second half, really. But Nick Benito is an absolute killer of a pass rusher. Um, and he was making Casey Thompson have to throw it earlier than he wanted to. The thing that makes me mad about Oklahoma is that they should have one, maybe even two losses at this point in the season. They've been squeaking by, and they did again in this one. And I know people are going to say a win's a win, and they're 6-0. and It doesn't matter. I think it does because you think Oklahoma, if they would go into the college football playoff right now and go – played Georgia in the semifinal game. <laughs> How's that going to work? For one, regardless of who the quarterback is, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, they're going to get destroyed. Uh, Oklahoma's line can't hold up. And yeah, it, it would not be pretty, and I don't think Oklahoma's a college football playoff candidate, but that's uh, a discussion for later in the season when that uh, rankings come out. But looking at Oklahoma's schedule, they don't have anyone. There's literally no one left. It's maybe they struggle. Maybe they lose at Baylor. That's bef- uh, the only one until the uh, what's it called? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. What's that called? Well, the, Bedlam. Uh, Bedlam, right? Bedlam. Yeah. And in their conference championship. Yeah. <laughs> Which, at this point, it would be. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, in the, in the championship anyways. So they could possibly play each other back-to-back. I think – I feel like Oklahoma's going to eventually, you know, not have, you know, the nine lives like a cat, right? <clears throat> if that happens, I totally see two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams battling it out in the college football playoffs. And I know Oregon only has one champ, one loss, and they can go to the Pac-12, but the Big Ten right now, folks, hear me out, and the SEC are head and shoulders above every conference. It's not even close. See, I wouldn't say the SEC as a whole. Um, no, but the top teams, like the SEC I think, East, juggernaut. I think – this is the best I've seen the Big Ten in about five years. Because, like, five years ago, this is how it was. Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Those four, and then you had Wisconsin, but this time it's Iowa. I mean, Iowa has always been there, but this time it's Iowa instead of Wisconsin this year in the West. Um, right. But, yeah, Oklahoma, even if they win out, they still got to go to Oklahoma State to play the, the Bedlam game. And then, like you said, they had the Big 12 championship game, which at this point would be Oklahoma State as well. So uh, They also do have to play Iowa State, but that's 
in Norman, I'm not, Iowa State hasn't done that well. So, Oklahoma covered minus four over 66 easily. That was a big one, too. I know I had Texas plus three and a half in a parlay. A lot of people had Texas plus four. Kennedy Brooks just crushing dreams out here. Uh, but, yeah, Xavier Worthy as well. I mean, monster day. 261, nine receptions, two touchdowns. We took a lot of time on that game. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to unpack, man. You don't see those. Yeah. There's a couple other ones we got to talk about like that. Actually, one that's coming up in three games. Number seven, Ohio State rolling over Maryland 66-17 to 17 at the shoe. Um, yeah. Uh, C.J. Stroud again. I mean, dominating. Knew that was going to happen. Yeah. All I know is... I, I don't want to say – I don't want to jump to conclusions because Maryland's had two bad weekends in a row. But this is the Ohio State team I thought we would see, you know, all year, all year long. And sometimes when you lose, it, it, it makes you go to the drawing board. It makes you throw everything out and redo things. But their offense is coming to, coming to life, like coming to life. And their defense is getting a little bit better. Does that mean that they're not going to lose another game? But I wouldn't be surprised if they go through the rest of their schedule and give everybody a fit, maybe win some games like Oklahoma, and then you set up that that Michigan rivalry, right? Because they still have to play your Penn State in any lines, I believe. That doesn't mean they're going to win that or they're going to win that game. But I could see them beating Michigan and everybody going, "What the heck." This was our year. Michigan was starting to really put everything together. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about Michigan for sure in a little bit. Um, yeah, but again, it's we knew this was kind of going to be the case of this game, especially because it was at Ohio State. Um, yeah. Talia's got to stop throwing interceptions. I will say that, though. The minute that you said, I'm totally on his bandwagon, he's figured it out. He goes and throws five, <laughs> and then this week. Well, when he plays. And I was, the, I was on it, too, and he just has to take care of the ball. Yeah. It, it has severely hurt him and the rest of the receivers that Dante Demas got injured. That, that was very detrimental to the team as mm-hmm. a whole. Defensively, let's go Craig Young, 70-yard pick six. Ohio State covered minus 21.5, over 72. Big one. Number 11, Michigan State beating Rutgers, 31-13 in Jersey. Uh, Peyton Thorne, another great game for him. And Kenneth Walker, over 200 yards once again. I mean, that guy's that man's unstoppable, dude. He's he is quite the beast that the Spartans have. <laughs> what does this Michigan State team remind you of? 2015 Big Ten Championship, Michigan State? May, yeah. A little bit of Kirby Smart's first year at Georgia. Just suffocating defense. Kirk going to establish the run game, and your quarterback is going to play off of that. 
Kirk Cousins, Michigan State. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't that was in 2015, but. <laughs> I think they're just I, they're really solid fundamentally and they're really well coached. That doesn't mean that they're unbeatable. They they're gonna you know they're gonna have some tough tests, but I like this team. Well, yeah, they still got to play all all the big the rest of the big three or the rest of the big four in the East: Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. I don't think they'll come undefeated out of that. But <laughs> he's doing a really good job up there, Mel Tucker. I think Greg Schiano's doing a good job too. He is. He being, is. Being three and three with Rutgers right now, I think, is pretty decent. Um, they are not walkovers. You're not. You're not scheduling them for homecoming anymore. It's more like Nebraska. <laughs> and they have something. Isaiah Pacheco is a good back. Um, I think they could. Up, they need to upgrade. Get a better quarterback than Noah Vidral. Um, but you know that's going to be tough to get a top quarterback to come to Rutgers. <laughs> so. For me, I think that's a position you get on on transfer. Whether that's another power five, whether that's a <laughs> who do you think <laughs> Spencer Rattler to Rutgers? We're starting the rumor mill. <laughs> Let's do it. I think he could yeah. have some fun in Jersey. FCS, you know, quarterback. So, um, yeah, Olakunle Fatukasi, pretty good day there, and. My guy I'm actually picking, though, is Simeon Barrow for Michigan State, though. Two sacks, two tackles for loss. Sparty covered, minus four, under 50. By two. Or by, why did I say by two? This is by four. Uh, by six. I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now. <laughs> you had your first law test. It's okay. It's swear, okay. I swear I wasn't drinking today. I, I'm not either. It's apple. <laughs> SEC, what a game. Number 17, Ole Miss beating number 13, Arkansas, in a barn burner. And I was disappointed. I got um, a live bet. Uh, Someone shot me a live bet (laughs) in the first half. Under 63 and a half. (laughs) Yeah, I went out real quick in the third quarter. Um I didn't expect Arkansas to be able to do that. I didn't expect them to be able to keep up with Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss is – like I said on Friday, I um, I said 45-14. I just didn't think that uh, Arkansas could keep up, like I said. I thought that you said 45-14. I wasn't on Friday for another reason I wish I didn't have to go through. Love you, Blanca. But uh, – I thought it was going to be 38-14, so right around, or 38-17, right around where you were. But the quarterback play is all I want to talk about. I mean, there's some, with these stats, you're going to have defensive stats, but, man, Ole Miss beat you by one point. But K.J. Jefferson did everything he could (laughs) do to win, to to put Arkansas in the position to win. Except one thing. (laughs) I mean, no, but if, no. you're, if you're, <laughs> that wasn't the thing I was talking about. But keep going. If if you have the ball in your hands that many times, and you had come out with one turnover, I'm not like I'm not even mad at you for that. Does that make sense? Because no one in the world is perfect. And so if I'm asking you to do this, you put in and put all of us in the position to win. And the running back for Mississippi, I mean, the run game just. 
Both. May <laughs> Coral does not have to do as much as KJ Jefferson. And then the last thing, whether you like him or not, Lane Kiffin is a pretty funny guy. Like, he admitted to, to saying the stupidest thing against Alabama, and then at the very end of his his interview, he was like, okay, now we can go cook popcorn and eat it because we won by one. And that's about the only positive thing in this game. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say that, that KJ Jefferson didn't get right was the last play of the game. What, <laughs> granted, that was not his fault. That yeah. was the... And I've heard this multiple times from people breaking down the game on TV. That was the stupidest play call you could ever have to roll out to the right. And I believe they put the they put the ball on the right hash too. So you're rolling to the short yep. side of the field. There was yep. two receivers, yeah, but you know. And I don't I don't agree with what KJ did either. I don't understand why throw the ball. They're covered. Even if they're covered, throw it anyways. I mean, you don't have anything to lose. You're going to lose regardless if you throw it out of bounds or if you throw it into coverage. But run the ball, dude. You're massive. I mean, that guy's like 250 pounds. So a couple drawbacks now that you brought that up. It reminded – it brought me a flashback of Kirby Smart's first few years playing a a better team or an equal team and wondering what is going on – with the offensive play call. And I mean, it falls on Sam Pittman because you are the head coach. And I know that he has just made his living by being an offensive line coach. Arkansas loves him. I love him for many reasons, his, his community involvement, the way that he treats his players, but he had full faith in his offensive coordinator. I believe the OC called that play and I'm with you. I don't, I don't like the side of the field that they used, but it gave the option for KJ to do multiple things, and I'm with you. I think he should have just ran it. Yeah. Again, risk reward. There's 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 no risk. You're gonna lose but, either, either way. So why not give analysis, it a shot? From an analysis standpoint, you, myself, everybody on TV, why box yourself in on the short side of the field? Why not open it up? Why not use the the bigger side of the field? Why not? get you know you had two receivers but why not get your tight end involved whatever it may be i think that you gotta i mean granted i i i was concerned of going for it in the first place i Uh, understand why i mean it happens all the time where people are down by one like no we're gonna win the game but i didn't think arkansas necessarily had the momentum to do that because usually when you do that you're rolling and right. you have come back from a substantial amount. Now, Arkansas kind of did, but it just didn't feel right to me. It's kind of one of those gut feelings where, no, we're going to kick the extra point. We're going to go to overtime. We can get it done in overtime. We're playing the Heisman Trophy favorite, but, you know, not, not everyone's perfect. So he, he we can force him into a mistake in a, in a 25-yard field. The only way – I agree with that because here, here's my take on that. The only way that we go for two is if, as a coach, I say, what do you guys want to do? And they say, we're going for two. But then I'm asking your input. What type of play do we want to run? What's been – like, that's being a, a player's coach and then also having the best teams I've been a part of state championship-wise, college-wise – 
is player-led teams. Hey, coach, we're going for two. And we know the play that we love in the two-point conversion because we practice it. But after last week and getting just beat down by Georgia, I personally would have said, boys, I think we kicked this and let's play it in overtime and see what happens. Yeah. Especially with no time on the clock. You know that you know that Ole Miss can't go down and score and beat you in regulation. So it's like, I don't know. I think the best play call in my mind as an offensive coordinator, spread it out, five wide, QB draw up the middle. Five on five, you're going to win. So You know where I saw that a lot of? The Bengals uh, coming back against the Packers. But that's mm-hmm. down the road. Arkansas did cover, though. Plus five. Over 67 easy. Number 20, Florida, shutting out Vandy. 42-0. Next game. In the swamp. Yeah, uh, the guys in in our locks group chat for betting, they're like, (laughs) Vandy, automatic cover. (laughs) That's Anyone that plays Vandy, we're automatically laying the points uh, from here on out. If we had locks, if we did locks and dogs in college football, I'm pretty sure in SEC play, Vanderbilt would be a really good lock. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Emory Jones, four touchdowns there. Richardson didn't do much coming in. I think this was his first game back. I don't think he played against Kentucky. Um, But, yeah. They really didn't run the ball much, um, Florida. But... Didn't matter how many they, they had a lot of turnovers, didn't they? Didn't they get a lot, a lot of turnovers here? Or no, they didn't actually. It was it was actually even, two and two, <laughs> two and two. Um, I didn't want. I shouldn't have said yes. Yeah, I really don't know how Florida destroyed them that badly. I mean, it doesn't look. I guess terrible. It really doesn't look terrible when you look at the team stats. Vandy actually held the ball for 13 more minutes. Actually, 12, almost 12. They just never, they just never found themselves in the red zone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it was 8 of 20 on third down. <laughs> but Florida was only 2 for 9, but they were 3 for 3 on fourth down. Um, same amount of first downs. But, I mean, Florida had almost 200 yards more than Vandy did, so I don't know. I didn't watch it either, because why would you? (laughs) Ricky Wright tried to do as much as he could, six tackles, three solo, two tackles for a loss, two quarterback hurries. Yeah. I think that's my guy, too. 15 tackles for Rashad Torrance, though, for Florida. Uh, Florida did cover. They did cover. Minus 39. And uh, under 60. <laughs> Big 12, Baylor. I don't, I don't even know who I picked on this one. Kill in West Virginia, 45-20. I lone wolfed West Virginia. Or no, no, Chris lone wolfed Baylor, I believe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think he lone wolfed Baylor. I would have to go back and look, but. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I believe Chris Lone Wolf Baylor. I just thought, yeah, I just thought West Virginia. You know, 
West Virginia, I thought, was playing well. And, you know, they did that thing to Oklahoma where they barely lost. It was at Baylor, but I don't know. I, again, I I guess I shouldn't have picked West Virginia coming off a three-point loss to Texas Tech, but Baylor just lost to Oklahoma State. I don't know. The one team that I honestly in the Big 12, I've seen Oklahoma State play. I saw West Virginia play Maryland. I don't like their record, but I thought they were competitive. I just haven't seen Baylor. And I know they had that one big game against Iowa State, but. Yeah. Again, they've lost to the only, the hardest person that they played so far in Oklahoma State, as far as ranking wise go. Um, I get well. Technically, I guess you could say they beat Iowa State when they were ranked, but whatever. I mean, Jerry Bohannon, he is—he's proved me wrong. I—I I still am saying I have no clue who Jerry Bohannon is, but I mean, he's scoring five total touchdowns, not turning the ball over. <laughs> so, sure, let's let's keep it going, Baylor. Why not? Um, I might actually pick Baylor for the first time next week, maybe. <laughs> they, I mean, they're playing. They're hosting BYU, so uh, maybe not. Baylor is favored though by six, but we'll talk about boys uh, BYU's loss in a couple seconds. Um, yeah, Tyquan Thornton for Baylor had a, had a great game, eight for one eighty-seven, two touchdowns. I think the biggest issue West Virginia couldn't get Letty Brown going. And I think that's the key to their success is Letty Brown getting going, having the play action with Jared Deggy. Uh Defensively, I'm going with Siaki Ika for Baylor. Three tackles, two souls, two sacks, two tackles floss. I have to go linebacker Terrell Bernard. Nine tackles, nine solo, one sack, one tackle for loss. And, you know, he was run – he was stopping Letty from getting out in space. Yeah. Uh, Baylor covered minus one. Low one there. And uh, over 45 because of West Virginia's points. Oh, weekend this weekend, I believe. Huh? What'd you say? I think Chris had himself quite the college football picks this weekend. Maybe. We'll see on Friday. Best team in the nation, number two, Georgia, beating number 18, Auburn, in Alabama, 34-10. to Stetson continues to light it up. Georgia run game as well has been on fire. Uh, and Lad, dude, Lad, Lad McCocky has came out of nowhere to be a consistent deep threat. <laughs> Where is this kid coming from? I had no idea who he was coming into the season. Like, zero idea. Love the name. Few takeaways from this game. Uh, the opening drive for Auburn was, if I'm Alabama, Florida, Kentucky this weekend, I'm going, what the heck were they doing? What was the pace? What were the play? I mean, they were RPOs. Knicks was making some good reads. And he still on foot gave us some headaches. And I just was looking at Charlotte and some people we had over at the tailgate at our house. 
And I was like, oh, man, this is a game where we forget to get off the bus. And I was all mad. And people were like, calm down. It's a darn first drive. And I'm like, you just got to know me. Like, I'm real intense. And we settled down. But it's still a game like, if we're playing Alabama, do you win it? Because it, what are what are the few instances where we ran away with it? The deep ball, smoke Monday, getting a targeting hit, led. I mean, Lad McConkey didn't have anything before that, and so we can dissect it in a lot of ways. But I'm telling you, our defense is junkyard and worth every penny if you come watch us live. I still think we need JT Daniels. He's your Heisman Trophy winner to win a national championship. <laughs> he won't be the Heisman Trophy winner, not missing as many games as he did, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, we need him to win a national championship. Yeah. And that's the biggest conversation out of Athens right now. Is there a quarterback issue? Um, There's- and many people are saying no. It's JT Daniels still. And... I have to agree. It's Stetson. It's a great run. He's on. But when you get to Alabama, you have to have JT Daniels. I love I love his legs, and he's able to make some things that – but my thing is JT doesn't have to because of the way he reads defenses. He's taller. I worry about JT Daniels' height, and people laugh at me when – I mean, Stetson's. But you saw what Alabama did to him at Alabama last year. Like, you can't see over the line when he, someone's 6'4 and, and putting their big paw up. Yeah. And the one thing that worries me about our run game, and most people would laugh at this, is, yeah, we could have a lot of backs, but we haven't allowed one back to get into a groove. Tell me, tell me uh, when Derrick Henry or – Richardson or name another one in Alabama or anywhere that had to share as much time, they're not able to get into grooves. Like you need one and two back. And then your three and four is if it's not working, you need, you need, I mean, you have your power and your change of pace, but we have four guys that are sharing touches and none of them are getting into a groove, which we don't need to right now. But you're going to have to develop a hierarchy in the running back room. That's just my opinion. I think that's what you see in the last two two games, though. They've kind of shut the passing game down in the second half, let let the backs work. And, I mean, Zeus got 18 in this one, so. This is a power beast. Um, yeah, I think, I think if they cut out McIntosh and Milton, I think they'd be perfectly fine. Yeah. Cook and, Cook and White. Would be would be fine, just together. Milton's a nice change of pace, but I, I mean, I don't think McIntosh even got that many carries in this one. But I don't know. And I think we did, we got to give credit. I, I've been critical. Just you got to know people. Anyone that listens, when someone's critical, I'm I want that trophy, that national championship. I, I'm not worried about all this other things and but like. We need to prepare to be the best and get everything ready. Um, but I was worried coming into this game. Tank Bisbee's got some wills, and I thought we defended really nice on him. Okay. Um, defensively, I'm going Trayvon Walker. 
Sack, tech, floss, three, TV, hurries. Yeah. I mean, that's... I'd have to... I'd have to agree. Georgia Cover? I'd like to be an antagonist, but Quay Walker had himself a game, too, as well. Georgia Covered, minus 14.5, under 46, and I hit on this one uh, Georgia minus 6.5 in the second half. Good, good wager there. Not that it mattered on my overall <laughs> weekend. But, uh, all right. Top 10, down. Boise State went into Provo and beat B1, number 10 BYU, 26-17. to 17. And this is another one where it was like, well, how did they lose? Well, it was turnovers. Jaron Hall threw a pick. Algier fumbled. Uh, Lupini Katoa put the ball on the ground twice in four carries. Uh, and it was just a really crappy day for the Cougars. And it, crappy day, I live bet them to come back and win because I was like, there's no way. There's no way BYU's going to lose this. They're at home. I mean, and the defense of Boise State, and I should take my statements back from <laughs> from Friday <laughs> possibly – but I mean I still don't I still stick to it. It's not it's not your dad's Boise State team where they throw it around a bunch. That's not how they are. Hank Bachmeyer is not that guy <laughs> to use the uh social media you're not that guy. Um kind of thing there. But he really got he really got bolstered by the running game of Cyrus Habibi Likio and uh Andrew Van Buren in this one. And the defense giving them short fields all day, so yeah. I just kept watching this, going, "Okay, you're on the runway, BYU. Let's take off. Let's take off." And like you said, turnovers, penalties, and it just didn't take flight. And Boise State won. Oh God, dude! Don't the penalties were absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it was. Uh, if I can get the exact stats here, I can tell you. Nine for 75 in terms of penalties. Um, four turnovers, minus four. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I said, BYU's defense, I thought, played well. Only letting up 26. That's a manageable point differential uh, or points given up to be able to win in college football giving up only 26 so especially with the guys that they have on offense for BYU like I said I still love Algier Gunnar Romney uh his older brother Samson Nasua is on here for scoring a touchdown but his older brother Puka Nasua um right Neil Powu I mean they have the guys it's just turnovers killed them today and that that was an interesting thing they were saying about this this quarterback situation too when I was watching the game they're like well People might say that they would have been better leaving Baylor Romney in, but I tend to agree with what the announcer said. That Jaron Hall is the best quarterback to to lead BYU right now. Um, you yeah, know, had an off day. So, and like I said, he he only accounted for one turnover. So, yeah, it wasn't all the the top two running backs had three fumbles combined. So, 
that's not something you usually see see from Algier. Uh, Katoa, I don't think, has been healthy all year. And that's why Algier's been getting all the carries. But, yeah. Half your carries being fumbled is not a good look. No. That's not going to be a recipe for success. Khalil Shakir, he got on the board this weekend as well. Five receptions, 66 yards, and a, and a, a spectacular catch he had uh, pulling a Randy Moss on one of the BYU defenders. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Defensively, I don't know. I'm going to go with the guy that filled the stat sheet the most, Pepe Ten- Tenuvasa for the Cougs. Four tackles, solo, sack, tuck floss, QB, hurry. Got to go with Ben Bywater <laughs> in a losing effort. 14 tackles, six solo, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hurry. He tried to win that ball game. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> Boise State cover plus six under 58 ACC overtime matchup in the dome number 19 Wake Forest undefeated Demon Deacons yes sir 6-0 yes, in ACC 40-37 to overtime win like I said at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse um, Sam Hartman I mean he is he is playing out of his mind right now uh, him and A.T. Perry, I mean, that's that line for A.T. Perry, 3 for one, 137, all three of his receptions being touchdowns. Ridiculous as well. <laughs> and Syracuse has something, though. I, I, I think Syracuse next season, they'll, they'll be there. If their defense continues, Garrett Schrader, all he has to do is improve his passing. Because he already has running. I mean, the man ran for almost 30 times as a quarterback for 178 yards and a touchdown. And Sean Tucker on the ground has been spectacular all year for the Orange. So, Wake Forest is just for real, I guess. (laughs) I mean, they are tough in the Carrier Dome. We always talk about that. But I think this, this wasn't in the Carrier Dome, was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, so that's why I was hesitant to pick Wake Forest, but I did pick them. And, I mean, to break down this game, it was back and forth. It was fun. The catch to win it. (laughs) All I have to say, though, is who thought in their right mind, I want to know somebody in America that actually follows football and doesn't just like Wake Forest or their mascot thought they would be 6-0 and at this point. <laughs> I want to shake your hand, please. Yeah, it's uh, it's setting up pretty well for Wake Forest right now at the halfway point of the season. You know, 4-0 in ACC play. They, uh, the only other undefeated team in the Atlantic division is NC State, and they only have one win. In ACC, they're they're just one no. You know, I would say though, to not count Clemson out right now. I know oh, they no. I know they're terrible, but they're still technically only one game back. They're they're two and one in ACC play. I'm just saying, Dabo, might Dabo, and uh, <laughs> you gotta find a lot of. And and Wake has to go to South Carolina. Somewhere. 
Wake's got to go to Clemson, second to last week of the season. I bet you if they're undefeated, I would be willing to bet on Clemson. I mean, they got to play NC State the week before that. That's tough. That is. <clears throat> Do I think Wake Forest is going to go undefeated in, in ACC play? No. Damn. Yeah. If they do, are they worthy of a national championship? I think people – I think the committee wouldn't vote them in. People have to remember what the committee is made for. And would that garner a bunch of fans and a bunch of money? Or would people go, where's Wake Forest? What the heck? I thought they were dumpster fires in the ACC. It just wouldn't – yeah, I don't think they're going undefeated either, considering what their what five of their last six games. Their last six games at Army. That's that's the first thing. That's tough <laughs> to say the least. Army's four and one. They host Duke, so you know we're not gonna. If it was at Duke, maybe it's a trap game situation, but it's it's at Wake Forest, so I'm not worried about that. Um, they gotta go to North Carolina which we know they have not been that great this year either, but Sam Howell is, is Sam Howell. So. Score points. And uh, then then the two big ones, like I said. They host NC State. That should be a ranked matchup. I don't know what NC State's schedule looks like. Um, but they're 4-1 right now. Go to Clemson, like I said. Who knows? And then they finish up at Boston College, who's also 4-1 and at this point. Right. So, like I said, five of the last six games, no team is below 500. Duke is even three and three. So, um, yeah, it it's not easy. That's for sure. Uh, the path for Wake Forest, but uh, starts this weekend at Army. All I got to do is go to West Point and win. <laughs> Easier said than done, right, Mark? <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> but anyways. Uh, Syracuse cover plus six, over 59. 77 points. Number 24, SMU. They are undefeated as well. The uh, only other undefeated team in the American Conference. 31-24 squeaker against Navy. This one was in Annapolis, I believe. Yes, in Annapolis. Um, and I was disappointed, man. Taylor, uh, Tanner Mordecai only threw two touchdowns. <laughs> he was averaging well, four per game. That's why it was a one-score game. Yeah, he was averaging four per game, was the leader in touchdowns in the nation. I don't know if he is anymore. Uh, let's see. Why, why do they... Okay, I don't understand why it only has passing yards when you click the little stat thing. Yes, he is still lead, the leader in touchdowns in the nation. 26 through 6 games. Um, my favorite quarterback of all time, Bailey Zappi in second at 21. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah... Uh, <laughs> I was surprised. I was surprised Navy kept it this close. They did a good job, um, only allowing SMU to score 31. And, yeah. I mean, 
what was weird is that Navy's run game really wasn't that effective when you look at their top. I guess it was just a bunch of guys got carries and, you know, quarterback Lavatai had 53 yards. Warren had 30. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was weird. Turnovers, <laughs> turnovers. That's that's why. Navy is a shell of what they built a few years ago. But that's my argument on service schools. They're almost like high schools. You don't you don't often get to re- replenish year after year, and you have to wait for them to develop. But I got to go in a losing effort to Diego, my man. Seven tackles, five solo, half a tackle for loss, one fumble recovery, one touchdown for 20 yards. Yeah, Diego Fago has been the best Navy defender um, all season. I, I, The few Navy games we've had, he's been on the, on the schedule and um, just – Watching a little bit of Navy, Figo has has shined almost every time you put Navy on. Um, but yeah, Brian Massey there for SMU, big 95-yard kick return touchdown as well. And yeah, def- team stats, why? I mean, they were terrible on third down. SMU 2 for 11, 7 of 17 for Navy. The, the biggest thing was, I mean, obviously... The passing yards were big difference, and the rushing yards were actually a big difference as well. About ninety-seven, or exactly ninety-seven more yards rushing for Navy, but they were only averaging three point three per carry on uh, fifty-three attempts. Also, biggest thing, team stats-wise, I saw Navy was plus two in turnover differential, but they only had twelve first downs the entire game. So right. Uh, Navy did cover plus 13 and a half under 57 by two. Liberty roll in mid Tennessee 41 to 13 and uh, Malik Wiggle Willis struggled three picks. Um, I'd have to think Malik Willis is most definitely not in the Heisman conversation anymore. Um, did get help on the ground from Joshua Mack with 91 yards. Uh, TJ Green also chipped in a touchdown. And I felt bad for Chase Cunningham because he had to do it by himself. As you can see, the leading rusher for <laughs> Mid-Tennessee, Chatton Mobley, only eight yards. <laughs> so, yeah. There's that Liberty team that we know. They find, you know, right. they've got the one fish. But they're still a tough team to play. Right. I think even I picked against them against UAB. I shouldn't have. <laughs> that was a funny one. I mean, they were opening up a new stadium, so I was just rolling with UAB. But yeah, uh, competition Liberty is definitely not what they were last year. That's that's for sure. Um. Demario Douglas, 156 yards, six catches and a touchdown for the Flames. 
Defensively, you're going to go with the guy that has the most tackles. Um, <laughs> I am going to go with Henry Chebwezi, though. I'm not sure if that's how you say it. Because he had a safety. That's the only reason. <laughs> otherwise, I... otherwise, I'd go with Story Jackson, who has made my board as well. This was an, I put four I put five guys on the board this weekend, dude. That's that's a lot in one weekend. You can't yeah. go wrong with a with a safety, but I mean I'd have to go with with story as well. I mean one pass deflection, three quarterback hurries, four tackles, two solo. And I like guys in losing efforts. I mean Jordan Ferguson, he tried three tackles, two solo, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, but I mean it could be when the game's you know, out of reach as well. So, yeah. Story Story Jackson, he has a great name for one, but also, again, he's another guy that every time we've had Liberty on the slate, he showed up. So, Liberty covered minus twenty under fifty nine. Close. Maction, Ball State. <laughs> God. Killing well, Western Michigan. 45 to 20. Drew Plitt, 310, 4 TDs. No turnovers. We're all on Western Michigan. Good Lord. So, hey, I hate to see this. I like to win ball games, but you you said it. Drew with four TDs. Yeah, I thought this was going to be a very even matchup. Both quarterbacks pretty decent. Drew Plitt has a lot of experience. He's been at Ball State. I believe he's a senior and fourth year as a starter. Um, Caleb Ellaby is a little bit younger, but he has starting experience as well, starting the entire season last year, and I believe the year before that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, Yo Hines. Johannes did it. That's another great name in college football. Johannes Tyler. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals just getting it done. Uh, I mean, you look at our you look at our stat sheets and Ball State just dominated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Brett Anderson with two tackles, both solo, one pass deflection, one fumble recovery, one touchdown for eighteen yards. I mean, you look at every defensive stat. You got. <laughs> They dominated this football game. Yes, uh, yeah, I'm uh, getting an update on Kenny Galladay's injury here. Uh, but yeah, Brett Anderson was 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 the guy I was gonna pick. But also, I know Chris. Chris loves the pass deflections for the DBs. So Dorian Jackson, Western Michigan, four pass deflections for you, Chris. Uh, Ball State plus 12 and a half. Big underdog win. Over 58. Biggest game of the weekend. Number three, Iowa undefeated at home in Kinnick Stadium. 23-20 over number four, Penn State. Yeah. And um, I'm going to finish writing. The, you can go first because I'm going to finish writing this Kenny Galladay thing down, and then uh, I'm going to rant. So. All I can say is uh, both Chris and I picked Iowa, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. I, I believe this is a evenly matched team. But I think Iowa's defense is, is the real deal. And, and that's not taking anything away from Penn State. Um, and in saying that, they got help with Clifford getting, you know, 
banged out of the out of the game, but he still had two interceptions when he was in there, and they were tough enough to knock him out of the game, and and that's the difference to me without him in Iowa winning this this ball game. And I talked to a friend that's that's besides you that lives in Wisconsin, that's a Wisconsin fan and Milwaukee Bucks fan and Brewers fan. And I said, Iowa's going to be number two in the nation, which they are. And he goes, there's no way. And I said, you're going to, you have, the, in my mind, the two best defenses in the nation at one and two. That doesn't mean they both finish one and two at the end of the season. That doesn't even mean either one of them gets out of their conference without a loss. But I didn't think Iowa's the real deal because I don't believe in their quarterback. But yet I believe in their defense. All right. So, I I had a lot of people contact me after the game, even before the game as well, when I posted on my Snapchat story that I was watching the game that, you know, I was wearing my Penn State stuff. And people disagree with me, but I don't I don't care. I don't I don't give a shit. Penn State does not lose this game if Sean Clifford does not if he plays the second half. If he plays the entire game, I don't care what you say, Penn State doesn't lose. Yeah, he threw two I mean, interceptions. They had, they had the lead. They had the lead when he was in there. Yeah, he threw two interceptions. They were rolling. They didn't just have the lead. They were rolling. They were up 17-7. to seven, Uh and Iowa's offense had no answer for Penn State's defense. They figured it out in the second half, but you also look at the second half. What's the score going into halftime? Was it 17-7 or was it 27? It was 17-10. to That's only one touchdown, and that's where I disagree. Actually, it was 17-3, my bad. 17-3 with uh, 12.5 to go in the second quarter. 17-3. 17-3. to three. They were rolling. They were rolling. After the first play of their offense got a turnover, and they held Iowa to a field goal inside their own 10-yard line. Um, I would go down to the third down, third down deficiency. Iowa still wins that ball game. They still make Sean Clifford turn it over two times. And if he's in the ball game, we don't know what adjustments – they make it halftime. I do. I felt that they were rolling, and I and I almost chalked it up as a loss. But what do good defenses do? They get to the quarterback. They got to him. And I and I know that you have pride and and belief in Penn State, but Iowa's defense is that physical and that tough. I think they they have the most takeaways in the nation up to this point. And who says that? Sean Clifford doesn't have another two interceptions in the second half. Not saying he will either. I'm just saying they had the offense, and it was a significant drop-off to a freshman. Or not a freshman. I think he's a true sophomore. Taquan Roberson. Significant drop-off in the knowledge of the offense. I'm not going to take anything away from that. And I I would add that Iowa – Iowa is truly one solid quarterback away from being a solidified college football playoff team and running through the Big Ten. 
but I just don't trust their quarterback. I don't. And so how many times do you have to lean on your defense? I've seen it at Georgia, and it hasn't been successful since 1980, which we had some other players at that time win us a national championship. But you can't solely rely on your defense in today's college football. I I'm I still think that this this is your this is your rematch right here. This is your rematch. Big Ten Championship, Iowa, Penn State in Indianapolis in seven weeks. Because as much as Ohio State is rolling on offense, they haven't played a defense like Penn State yet. Same thing goes with Michigan State. Same thing goes with Michigan. None of those teams have played Penn State yet. They haven't even played each other. That's We're getting to the meat here, Michigan, Michigan State coming up, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Ohio State, Penn State. The next I, four weeks, five weeks is going to be ridiculous with the amount of matchups that we have in the Big Ten East. I would like to see this matchup, and we've talked about having a podcast. I'm going to disagree with you that this is the same matchup. I think we see one of these teams, and right now I can't tell you which one. I think Sean Clifford's injury will dictate that. Oh, yeah. But I will say this is the best conference to watch until the end. Does that make sense? I still think Alabama and Georgia are on a collision course to meet each other in the SEC championship, if that makes sense. Even if they both – maybe they both have one losses. I don't know. I still think they find a way to play each other. But I have no idea what the Big Ten is going to look like in the next four or five weeks. And I think that is the interest. When people say, if you're not on the road, you know, calling a game or or talking about Georgia or watching them, I'm at home watching the Big Ten. You know what the best thing about Penn State is right now? And Sean Clifford's injury? They have a bye week this week. Then they host Illinois. So... Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and then it's the big one. Then they go to the shoe to play at, at Ohio State. That will, I don't want to say presumably it will be a night game because we've seen how screwed up the TV schedules have been this year with top-ranked matchups being why, at freaking 12 o'clock. Why so many noon games? My gosh, so many noon games. Um, I mean, luckily this one was at 4 o'clock Eastern. Um so it was afternoon, at least. But, yeah. And then, you know, they had to go to College Park, which we've seen Maryland, how they have deteriorated. That's yeah. what I like about their schedule, though. It's not They're not facing the big guns back-to-back. They have a game in between Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. They, they host Rutgers in between Michigan and Michigan State. So... That's what I like about their schedule. That's why I think they have a great chance. And like I said, the bye week this week to get Clifford two weeks worth of health going into the Illinois game and having Illinois as the next opponent. No offense to <laughs> Illinois, but you're not beating Penn State at Happy Valley. So, um, yeah. That's what I love about Penn State. I don't know. I, I feel like I've ranted for quite a while. Um but again, we talked about a few of these games. We're going to be long talks because they're worth it. They are worth it if you love football. 
But again, I, I I strongly believe not just me being a Penn State fan. It's what I watched in the first half specifically. I don't believe Penn, Iowa would have won had Sean Clifford played the entire game. Can we talk about that a little bit in text messages? Um, defensively, for how great of a defensive game it was on both sides, um, really weren't didn't not a lot of guys felt filled the stat sheet. I am going with the Temple transfer. I need to put this man on the board because he's shown out every single Penn State game. Uh, Arnold Ebikidi, uh nine tackles, five solos, sacked, three and a half tackles for loss. I mean, he is a monster, and he is everywhere every single game for Penn State. I, I can't argue with that one. I mean, I think both the stats on our board would have to be a Penn State guy. The only thing I would say in Iowa is, you know, who were the people that – collected the interceptions, but it was a different person each time. I don't, I don't think anyone had double. No, it was four different guys. But I will say, though, Riley Moss got another one. Yeah, they talked about him. He now has four tied for the nation, tied for first yeah. in the country. I just don't I – know, I know we've talked about it, but I can't talk about Spencer – Petrus enough like two touchdowns and an interception only 195 yards is not going to get it done and I, and I guess that's what would back up you know Iowa not winning if Sean Clifford is in there that's that's the whole game Sean Clifford would have doubled you know you would think that he would have another 146 yards in the second half and he would th- he would have thrown a touchdown I, I highly I would have bet that he would have thrown a touchdown in the second half where I think Georgia has the best defensive line, I think Iowa has some of the best secondaries in the country. Yeah. And I don't – I would and say and Penn, that's State, not, Penn State's there too. That's not, that's not a hotbed when you think of it, right? You think of Iowa being some strong, big linemen that get their running game going, some good linebackers, defensive line. But you don't, you don't go, oh, you think of LSU as being, you know, cornerback you with – but Singletary, you know, Junior has been injured and whatnot, but whatever. I thought Penn State did a good job on Tyler Goodson. Held him to three and a half yards per carry, even though he did get 88. I think that was also one of the biggest factors of Iowa coming back was that they ran it so much with him, even though it wasn't for a lot of yards. The threat of the run opened up the play action. That's what you saw in the game-winning touchdown on the throwback pass. Um to Nico Regani. Um, that was probably the worst defensive play Penn State's had all year. So, you know, it is what it is. Iowa covered minus two and a half, over 41 hits, which if y'all would have listened to me on Friday, you would have bet the over 41 because I told y'all it was going to hit. And I was very close to my score prediction, too. Even though I said Penn State was going to win, I did say it was going to be 24-20. So. <laughs> I have very good very good feel when it comes to Big Ten games, specifically Penn State games. I can't say the same when I predict Georgia games. I, I, I couldn't tell you scores, especially with, especially with you know, how, how Georgia likes to shut it down in the second half. All right. Uh... Pac-12, Washington State upsetting Oregon State 31-24. We were all on the Beavers. 
Oh, went down swinging. Just another one. Um, yeah, Chance Nolan, terrible. Quarterback, thank you, thank you. Jaden Delora, on the other hand, for the Cougars, very good. Um, BJ Baylor did try though. Him and him and Deshaun Fenwick did try to keep the Beavs in the game, and they did. I mean, one score game, one score loss. Uh, but yeah, that's ridiculous. How do you have? Two guys combining for 272 yards. You would think that you would win the game. On the ground and lose. But when your quarterback throws two picks, you only get one pick in return on defense. Yeah. That's how you lose. And Washington what? State didn't have any running game. I mean, kind of. If you want to count Deion McIntosh. game, turnovers matter. Possession matters, field position matters, and the quarterback play got the job done on defense. You always, you know, I do like to go with the tackles. <laughs> and George Hicks, he not only had 10 tackles, but he had half a tackle for loss and an INT. And right underneath him, you could go for him. And, and I think uh, in a game like this where, the you know, Oregon State's quarterback play was not good, I would take both defensive backs as as players of the game because they really just shut the game down and made them run the ball. Yeah, this was a weird game because Chance Nolan had really been a revelation for the Beavers this season after he became the starter once they benched Sam Neuer, the Colorado transfer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I still believe, I still think Oregon State has a chance at the Pac-12. Um you know, people are gonna still put Oregon there, but thing about Oregon, they're only one and one in in conference play. Oregon State's two and one. This one actually put Washington State up to third. Um, Washington State is third. Stanford's second at two and two. Oregon is fourth in the North Division at one and one, tied with Washington as well. Um, Pac-12 South is loaded though. When you look at conference records. I mean, oh yeah, Arizona yeah. State's three and zero. Utah's two and zero. UCLA two and one. That's their top three. So, I will say it doesn't get enough publicity. One of the best rivalries, and Eugene's a beautiful place. Oregon State campus is a beautiful place. That's a great rivalry, and I don't care. You can throw out any record. It's almost like a UNC-Duke matchup or a Ohio State-Michigan or Penn State and every person in the Big Ten when they play. <laughs> Throw out records because it's going to be a dogfight. Yeah. That, that is the sad thing, that it is in Eugene this year. Corvallis, sorry, is, is Oregon State. Beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah, and they might, they might be coming into that game hurting too because they have to – they have to play host to Arizona State the week before that. So that's that'll be a tough two weeks. And even the week before that, they host Stanford, too. So Even with those records? Rough end of the year. I would probably still bet against the South. I know they have better records, but sometimes I think the South <laughs> is... Is a facade. Does that make sense? I just, I think Utah's pretty tough, but Jaden McDaniels hasn't played great. 
I'm still is Chip Kelly really coaching above his head or can people not really stop a running quarterback? Because I think if you make them throw at UCLA, I don't know. Pac-12 South, in my mind, it's UCLA all the way. I don't care if Arizona State's ranked. I don't care if Utah's 2-0 and in the conference. They're 3-3 three and three overall. And uh, UCLA, by far, has been the best overall team out of those Pac-12 South teams. And we don't know what the hell is going on at USC right now. Colorado's 1-4. Arizona's 0-5. So, um, yeah. I think UCLA's got it. Arizona is like a Vanderbilt in the West. Whether they have a chance in the championship game or not, I highly doubt it. I think the the guys up north are are pretty good though. Stanford, Oregon State, Oregon, uh, Oregon State, yeah, Oregon, Washington State. And if, yeah, if you want to put Washington, I wouldn't put Washington State in there. They're I, just, I trust the northern heavyweights better than the southern heavyweights, if that makes sense. But hopefully they uh, make me eat my words, right? The worst thing about the Pac-12, no stars at quarterback. Actually, there is one, but because they have played so crappily this year, he hasn't gotten any attention. Keaton Slovis at USC. Um, he can sling it. Other than that, there's no star power quarterback in the Pac-12 right now. There is star powered Oregon though. <laughs> Kayvon Thibodeau, number one overall pick in the twenty twenty two NFL draft. I'll keep saying it until it becomes true. <laughs> or until it is false. <laughs> Don't you want to get tackled by him? Wouldn't it be fun? Uh defensively, I'm going with Omar Spates though. Beavers, four five tackles, one solo, one tackle floss, pass selection, and a pick. Washington State. Somebody in a losing effort, finally. Thank you. Washington State plus four, under 59. UTEP, five and one minors, beating Southern Miss 26 to 13. Um, I don't know why I didn't put the stats on here. That's Oklahoma State Baylor stats. This was one of the games that I. (laughs) This is one of the Uh, games that they didn't have the stats available when I first put the PowerPoint together. This happens from time to time, y'all. But if you want to know the stats, Southern Miss led uh, their quarterback, Jake Lang. 20 of 31, 239, two touchdowns and a pick. 27.8 quarterback rating. UTEP, Gavin Hardison. Uh, He was 7 of 17, 127, one pick, 18.4 QBR. Reason why UTEP won the game, running back Ronald Awat. 18 carries, 159 yards, 8.8 per carry, and a touchdown. Cowing didn't do much in this one, dude. Two receptions, 24 yards. All I know is going into this game and UTSA, I told myself, did I just pick two teams in El Paso and San Antonio to win. And that's nothing against the universities, but they all – I don't remember in our pickings when they both won on the same weekend. And so I didn't, watch, I didn't watch these. I was nervous. It had nothing to do with the better record. But Southern Miss has been in a downward spiral the last two years. Yeah, Frank Gore Jr., 16 carries, 43 yards, 2.7 per. 
Uh, did did catch four balls for 58 yards, though. Um, definitely not his dad. <laughs> Granted, his dad played at Miami, so... Um, yeah. Offensive line might be a little bit different there. Who knows? The the traits I don't think have passed down um, from father to son. It, he, he saw the same thing with Barry Sanders' son, too. It's definitely not as good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Defensively, um, I'm going to go with UTEP. They filled the stat sheet. Good Lord, did they? They... <laughs> They had they had five sacks, four, fourteen tackles for loss. God dang, dude, that was fourteen tackles for loss. That's that's ridiculous, man. Um, and I'm gonna go with this guy. Let's see if if it wants to load the crappy service in my apartment. Um, just trying to get his first name. Praise, I'm a Wule. I'm a Wule. I'm not sure if that's, that's how you say it. That's yeah. not the first time we've said that on this show. Or at least it's not the first time I've heard that name. I'm pretty sure there's a different guy with praise first name as well. At a at a Power 5 school. Pretty sure. Could be wrong. But I think... Maybe not. I don't know. But I feel like... I haven't heard that last name before. But anyways, five tackles, all of them solo, one sack, two tackles floss, and two pass deflections. He is a defensive end. Really <laughs> solid game there. And was there uh, was there a defensive touchdown here? Yes. Breon Hayward, 55-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Also, Josh Ortega got a safety for the Miners. Was never really close. USM scored with two minutes to go. Otherwise, it would have ended twenty-six to seven. UTEP covered minus one, under forty-seven. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> UTSA undefeated, fifty-two forty-six win over Western Kentucky. And, yeah, I mean, I said this on Friday. I was so conflicted picking this game between Sincere McCormick and, and Bailey Zappi, but I had to go with my boy Bailey. Um, he is, I think, the most electric quarterback that there is, and he's so fun to watch. It's just he doesn't have the team around him, and I hate that I kept saying in the beginning of the season – Western Kentucky for Conference USA champion. Um, but I didn't account for them having to run into UTSA. <laughs> uh, and the combination of Frank Harris and Sincere McCormick. And, yeah, Frank Harris, I mean, dude, what else did he not do in this game? He caught a touchdown. He threw for six. And he also ran for 51 yards. <laughs> He did literally everything, accounting for all seven of UTSA's touchdowns. (laughs) Listen, folks, if you've ever watched football or you haven't, you would think 
this game is all about just stats, stats, stats. I mean, Bailey, five touchdowns, 523 <laughs> yards. That's half a century. And he lost. That's huge. <laughs> and, that's huge. Then you go to UTSA, six touchdowns. This is like a video game. Those two quarterbacks would have won the NFL fantasy in one week. And so I love that. There's a lot of good storylines. The score, you're one and four. You're trying to beat someone undefeated. But ultimately, UTSA won. And I, with that many yards, you can't just – you can't go with someone just with the most tackles. You got to go UTSA. I, I have to go the, the one pass deflection, one quarterback hurry, one interception, two tackles, and Clarence Hicks. Um. Yeah, interesting. This game, there was a key moment. Eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Western oh. Kentucky scores. They missed the two point conversion. That was the pivotal point in the game. That would have made it. That would have made it forty five forty five. Yeah. Instead of forty five forty three, because if it's forty five forty five, then you know they don't kick the field goal with four twenty two to go. They go for it and go for the game-tying touchdown instead. But down nine, got to kick a field goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, we had 300-yard receivers. Those three guys, uh, you know, Jarris Stearns, he had 17 receptions last week, 16 more this week. I mean, pretty good. You know, 33 receptions in two weeks combined. It's pretty solid, I would say. If uh, And I think he had – Almost 400 yards and uh, four touchdowns in those two weeks combined as well. So, <laughs> him coming over with, huh? That's pretty big. Him, him coming over from Houston Baptist with Zappy. I mean, they had a they had a whole host of people coming over from Baptist to Western Kentucky, um, including the offensive coordinator, uh, Jareth Stern's brother. Uh, I'm blanking on what his name is. And then they had another guy as well. Adam Cofield, their leading rusher, he transferred in from North Dakota State, two-time national champion there. Um, and, yeah, Quintus Cephas' little brother, Joshua Cephas at UTSA, 8 for 83 touchdown. He threw uh, the 23-yard touchdown to Frank Harris. So, yeah. Uh, defensively, I am going with the tackles. Rashad Wisdom, 13 tackles 11 of them being solos and a qb hurry really fun game though i it, it's so sad western kentucky like i said it's they're one and four because of their schedule it's been a really tough season but i think you know if if they could have won this game i would have had no reason saying that they were going to go undefeated the rest of it i still think they will i think they'll beat everyone else on their schedule and finish um with a bowl berth because Old Dominion, FIU, Charlotte, Mid-Tennessee, Rice, FAU, and Marshall. Those two at the end, FAU and Marshall, their hardest ones left. But, I mean, the gauntlet that they had at the beginning, other than UT Martin, you know, at Army, hosting Indiana, both of both of whom they only lost to by three points. Or they lost Army by three, and they lost Indiana by two. Uh, you know, and then they go to East Lansing and and lose to Western or to Michigan State. You know, 
it's just a tough non-conference schedule, and then you come in and have to play the best team in Conference USA right now. So it's tough, but I, like I said, I think they'll win out, get a bowl game. So all winnable games. Yes, UTSA plus three and a half over seventy-one. A lot of big, lot of lot of points this weekend in college and NFL. Big 12, TCU beating up on Texas Tech, 52-31. to Dude, the running game. The running game, the running game. I mean, I talked about Zach Evans. I didn't see Kendra Miller coming. I mean, 12 for 185, three touchdowns. Max Duggan only had to throw the ball 10 times, dude. I mean, that's, that's how much domination uh, TCU had on the clock and running the football. It was ridiculous. When you score 54 points and only throw it 10 times, I I just think that, like, we need to take a picture of that because it doesn't happen. Sorry I haven't had my picture. Um, this is not football, but I have a really depressed dog. So he's he's following me around, but he really needed to go outside, and I tried to punt him off to, to my <laughs> – Wife, not punt him off, but he needs to go inside and interact with the kids. My wife, he, he's missing Blanca. But, um, I mean, 52 points and you throw it 10 times. That's just not – that's old school. That's like when people were wearing leather helmets and you had a fullback at that time running people over. Yeah, the craziest thing is I talk, I said I mentioned the clock, but really they didn't. It was almost even. In terms of time of possession, they they had it for 29 minutes. TCU had it, or, or Texas Tech had it for 31. Um, but look at it. Six yards short of 400 rushing. 394 rushing yards in this one. I, that is, they their average, you want to guess, Mark? They ran it 47 total times. 10.2, 10.4? Uh, lower than that, but 8.4, 8.4 per carry. It made me, yeah, I was 47 carries. Um, yeah, 498 total yards for TCU, five, 558 yards for Texas Tech. I mean, the defense for TCU was, was really good, though. When you look at it, Travius Hodges, Tomlinson, he had a pick six, 29 yards, and um. Yeah, really good defense for for Gary Patterson this one and the running game, like I said. So this is what it is. <laughs> luckily, we all picked the Horn Frogs. Yeah, luckily. Text, uh TCU minus two and a half. They covered over sixty one. Like I said, a lot of freaking points this year this weekend. Texas Tech, what a game! I watched the end of it. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't watch the entire game, but uh, Texas Tech quadruple ah. overtime winner against South Alabama, thirty-three, thirty-one, and these are the Penn State Indiana numbers. I have no idea why. Again, this is just like the UTEP game where when I went in to do the stats, they didn't have the stats available, and I forgot about it. So we can go to the stats though. Four overtimes is just a fun <laughs> game. I kept watching this score on my phone and then trying to switch back to it. 
and see, you know, I didn't watch the entirety, but like, oh man, this is one overtime, two overtime, three overtime, four overtime, turn it on. So, uh, yeah, I watched the last play. That's all I watched in this game. <laughs> I watched Texas State stand up against South Alabama on the last two-point conversion since they had that new rule this year, you know. Had to go for two after a touchdown on the in the second overtime, then third overtime you start going for just two-point conversions. Uh, but yeah, Jake Bentley, former South Carolina and Utah quarterback, 19-26, 189, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, also ran it three times for 13 yards. And then Texas State's quarterback, Brady McBride, 18-28, 187, two touchdowns, three picks, 15 carries, 57 yards. Um, Texas State did a great job on the ground. 47 carries total, 213, and two touchdowns. Um, and really, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where, where there, it was won other than the last play of the game, stopping the two-point conversion. Running back for U, uh, USA, A.J. Phillips, he had 19 carries, 74 yards, and two touchdowns. It was actually even in terms of turnovers, three and three on each side. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was the, the rushing for Texas State. 213 to 141 was the rushing numbers. Both terrible. That's ridiculous. They both had the exact same third and fourth down conversions. Four for 14 on third down for each of them. Three of three on fourth down for each. <laughs> fun, fun game and just, I mean, flip the records on one play. 13 you penalties. Three, three and two. 13 penalties, 125 penalty yards for South Alabama. Uh, well, that could, that could be a difference in your game, man. you got to hate that as a coach. I mean, Texas, because everybody's gonna blame you for it, even though you're not on the on the field. But Texas State wasn't much better. Seven for seventy-one. <laughs> uh, defensively, a lot of really, really great stats to pick from. They they filled it up in this one. I mean, that I guess that happens when you're quadruple overtime. But granted, that like I said, that doesn't matter because you know you got one play each time and triple overtime and on. So. Um, I really don't know who to pick. But I'm going to go with uh, South Alabama, actually. And we're going to go with uh, this guy up here. Wykevius Thomas, defensive lineman, number 99. Nine tackles, four solos, half a sack, one and a half tackles, lost QB hurry. Sound good? <laughs> I, like it. I like the number. I like, I like to play in the backfield. Texas State plus four over 53. Mountain West, Air Force getting it done 24-14 at home against Wyoming. Um, Hazik Daniels, really solid day for an Air Force quarterback there. Did put it on the ground once, but my favorite Air Force player is, is the full... I don't know why they have him on the roster as a running back. He is a fullback. Brad Roberts is a fullback. 33 carries, 140 yards in the touchdown. He is by far my favorite Air Force guy that I know. Look, look, 
I was once told the fullback position is an extinct position and you don't see it anymore. And I grew up watching Moose Johnson with the Cowboys, Mike Allstott, and I can't agree with you more. I love to watch this guy just get downfield. He's physical. He takes hits. He brings people with him. And of all the service academy, I mean, I'm, I have to admit this year, and I'm going to look at the floor when I say this, the Navy is stinking <laughs> it up. They have for the last couple of years. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I really do like Kazik Daniels. He, he has um, really, I think, Air Force as a whole has revolutionized the way that they're running the triple option and pushing it more toward what Coastal Carolina does in the spread triple option while still being an under-the-center. And they, they do do more shotgun. And as you can see, they throw it more than what Army and Navy do ten times in this one for Hazik. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know. And I think Air Force is pretty decent. They're up. They're up there. They're... They're in good position to fight for a Mountain West championship this year with uh, a couple other teams that are pretty good right now, too. But uh, I've got to go with linebacker Vince Sanford because of the half half extra tackle for loss, but six tackles, three solo, one sack, 1.5 tackles for loss, one pass deflection. I'm a big linebacker fan. I mean, I know everybody nowadays wants to rush the quarterback and get to him, and you have to with your defensive line, but the linebackers make everybody's job easier, whether it's cornerbacks or your defensive line. Yeah, um, I'm going to just, before I pick my defensive guy, Zazavian Valaday, my favorite player from Wyoming. Um, he had himself a game. He had a good day. Only eight carries, though. I think they got behind. Um, you know, Sean Chambers having to throw it 28 times. They should have just gave it 28 times to Xavier Valaday. They maybe might have won. In the stats that we see, that doesn't mean that they didn't throw it to him, but if he's averaging 12 yards on a carry, why don't you get him some touches, you know, on screens and, and running back will routes? I just – those are the questions you have to ask yourself. And in this – Games with the service, services, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, to me it slows down. Like it's a slower pace. So shouldn't your OC think of more creative ways to get your best player touches? Well, the issue with his stats, one carry for 74 yards. <laughs> well, that's an issue. <laughs> um, so seven carries for 22 Still, that that is, you know, that's not good. A little over three, but it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> defensively, I'm going with Milton Bug for Air Force. Four tackles, three souls, half tack floss, three pass selections. Air Force covered, minus five and a half, under 47. Let's go to the Big Ten. Number nine, Michigan Squeaker. Against Nebraska, 32-29 in Lincoln. Um, yeah, I was irked by this one. Um, 
because this game ended after Penn State had already lost, and I was like, well, as, as you know, if Penn State lost, at least the Michigan can do is have the courtesy to lose on the same day. Um, <laughs> but I knew they weren't going to lose to Nebraska. I mean, it's Look, it's Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska is just what's a good a conundrum with that with that just it's 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 just weird. I mean, uh, my thing is your quarterback numbers are terrible for Michigan. I equate Michigan to being a Big Ten. Oklahoma right now, not they did. They're finding ways to win, but it's ugly. What type of team they are they? And I've heard a lot of people say this is this is the year that he's figured it out, and this or that. And maybe they can junk it up to beat everybody, but how do you win with this quarterback play? I mean, Cade McNamara didn't even have a touchdown. Well, the thing is, is they they seem to play down to their competition. <laughs> That's true. We've seen That's it, true. Especially once they got into Big Ten play. Beating Rutgers by seven and now Nebraska by three. Now they blew out Wisconsin at Wisconsin. But we know Wisconsin is not Wisconsin right now. Uh-huh. So Big Ten play, two out of the three games being one score against what I would call the bottom – really – I mean, when you look at it, probably the bottom two teams in each division, Rutgers in the East and Nebraska in the West, like we said, Wisconsin is probably the worst team in the West right now. But, yeah, I don't think Nebraska is that good. Adrian Martinez, I do I do like Adrian Martinez. He is, he is a really good quarterback, very mobile, can uh, create that second – I think if he to piggyback off that, I think if he had skill skill players, and I think that's what Nebraska's missing and has been. Well, they had one. <laughs> they had one. They had one Dale Robinson, but they let him go. They let him leave to with to Kentucky, and now look, he's undefeated. I know. I know. Um, I know. But I, know. I mean, the thing is, Adrian Martinez lost him the game. That's. That's that that play lost him. I I'm with you there. You, you can't you can't fumble. The, I don't understand how he fumbled it in the first place. Was it? It was a QB sneak, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I just didn't understand how he fumbled. Uh, Waggle. Yeah. And yeah, they Michigan goes down, wins it with a, a Jake Moody field goal. So I just I don't want to spend lots of time on this because some people are on this Michigan. Train. I'm not saying that I'm not. I just don't understand who they are right now. Well, we'll figure it out and, in two weeks. And I told you that there. I if you're a Nebraska fan or alumni or booster, how do you keep giving money to Nebraska? <laughs> and I don't necessarily like coaches coaching changes because. I'm like you. I think the Steelers have been so successful because it's been so. You know, they backed everybody that's been coaching. They backed their owners and whatnot. So what do you do at Nebraska? Fire them. <laughs> I would. I definitely would. I think 
let's not drag it out, but yeah, I, I do think that. I think you move on. I think they need a whole revamp of the whole athletic administration, which they have. They they've now posted athletic director job and hired a new person. So I don't see Scott Frost being there. We'll find out who Michigan really is in two weeks. They and got, I'm looking forward. They maybe got, that's one. Well, I can't come watch because that's uh, Georgia, Florida. They yeah. go. They go to East Lansing. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan State. Michigan covered minus two and a half, uh, over fifty. Number fourteen, Notre Dame, again a thirty-two twenty-nine score, beating Virginia Tech in Blacksburg. That's why we picked Tech, and Chris Lone Wolf Notre Dame, but that's fine. I had all the confidence that Virginia Tech could beat them. And they should have. I'm not even mad about this outcome. Thank you for saying that. I'm not even mad about this. I think I think Chris beat me by two or three games this weekend, too. I think I went 20 and 8 or 20 and 9, and he might have won 22 games. But it took a field goal. I love Blacksburg. I've talked about it. And in a game like this, you can't. I don't know. In my opinion, you can't say it's just the turnovers or just this. Sometimes the ball bounces certain ways. Who who has the ball last? Yeah. Again, I, Notre Dame is just like Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma has different quarterbacks. So we'll have to see how they hold themselves going forward. But um, – I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is for Notre Dame. I don't have confidence in any of them um, that they have on the roster. So I like I like Jack Combs. I, I I think he's more than capable. Nope, nope, doesn't do it for me. Not well. Enough. Here's my thing. Kyron Williams is a shell of himself, and so. I think the offensive line was supposed to be big and bad like it was last year. I think it's deteriorated compared to last year. And so you're not going to see the best Jack Cohn. You're not going to see Kyron Williams. But I think this solely falls this year on Kyron Williams. It was this, oh, man, they're beating people by running last year. Well, if so, because we've seen Jack Cohn throw the football all across the football stadium, come back and win games for him. And in my view, is he can't do it all by himself. But just like Oklahoma, just like Oklahoma, they're they're close games, and you can't. That's not sustainable, winning close games. Oh, I don't. And I agree. I agree there with you. But I, I would almost, I would like Jack Cohn under center more than Spencer Rattler at this point. Oh yeah. Um. <clears throat> Trey Turner continues to have a really good season for the Hokies. Six for 80 uh, on this one. And defensively, Jermaine Waller, 26-yard pick six, along with five tackles, four solos. Can't argue there, my man. Can't argue there. Notre Dame cover plus one over 47. SEC number 16, Kentucky. They stay undefeated, blowing out LSU, 42 to 21 in Lexington. Um, yeah, dude, what efficiency from Will Levis. Five total touchdowns from him. 
Uh, 75 on the ground, not the yards that you want. <laughs> um, but it doesn't matter. Kentucky gets it done. Chris Rodriguez, I have been saying this for the last three weeks now, Chris Rodriguez and that running game to go along with the defense that Kentucky is putting out right now, they're good. I'm not. They're not going to beat Georgia. I will say that right now. I don't care if people want to say that. You shouldn't say that because you never know. But for one, it's a, it's in Athens, um, <laughs> and for two, Will Levis is not the quarterback to beat Georgia. <laughs> Look, I, I'm I'm not arguing with that one iota for the fact that if you're the number one team in the nation, you just have to take care of business. And number one teams in the nation beat number 11s in the nation by two, three touchdowns, right? And in my opinion, you, you, you make Will Levis beat you. Okay, I see you on film. I see your run game. Well, we have the best defensive line in the nation, right? That's, that's this weekend. Um, I'm curious, is Ojolari related to – is it spelled the same way? Yeah, I haven't I haven't looked into that. Uh, I would believe so, considering he plays in the SEC too. Um, but but forty two twenty one four years ago, three years ago, after the national championship, which is actually sooner than that. What two, three, two and a half now? Would anyone think Kentucky would be? LSU 42-21 and be undefeated? No. And so I got to give props to, to Coach Stoops, but I still – they're still missing that ingredient to to win the East Championship, and I don't – I think it's – Maybe this is their best year, but it's not going to happen, and I think Florida will be better next year than they will be. I think it's very easy to defend Kentucky. Shut down Chris Rodriguez – Double team Wandale Robinson, make Will Levis beat you. It's very simple. It's tough when you don't have the players. LSU, Derek Stingley's out for the year, essentially, almost the whole year. Um, hopes to be back, but without Derek Stingley, he was even having a down season, anyways. You know, Cavassier smoke pu- pulled in a hundred yards as well on the ground. So it's. I, I will say this: What is an intriguing Mac? What is an intriguing? What do, um, domain going into Saturday is if people don't remember this, Kirby Smart wanted UK's offensive coordinator before Todd Monkey. And this is exactly what you would see as a Georgia offense two backs over 100 yards. Your quarterback has a bunch of touchdowns but very through a very little right because the run game set it up so i do think that's interesting i'm not worried i think i was even more worried about the arkansas game but it is a number 11 versus number one college game day will be in athens and after this season i think the intrigue is what do you do with 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 coach o uh defensively i'm going with octavius oxendine Three tackles, two solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Kentucky minus two covered over 51. The big one. Texas A&M 
in College Station, upsetting number one Alabama, forty-one to thirty-eight. And I don't think you bl- you can't blame Bryce Young. He only threw one interception, but Calzada Calzada returned the favor in throwing one as well. I mean, three sixty-nine and three touchdowns, crappy percentage, but. Other than that, I don't really know why. Actually, I do know why they lost. Do you want me to say that, or do you want to go? Um, why I think I, they lost. I want you to say it, because you already know how critical I've been of um, Mr. Jimbo Fisher, and now this essentially... <laughs> the only one. ...saves his entire extension, which I think is still the worst extension in college football. Go ahead, please. The the reason why they lost is because whoever their defensive coordinator is never adjusted to having Brian Branch covering Anaya Smith um, in the slot all game. Anaya Smith just killed Brian Branch as a safety covering the speedster that is Anaya Smith. Um and, yeah, you saw it when they got the pass interference to get in field goal range at the end. It wasn't even close. So I think that was the biggest matchup that I saw throughout the game, and I didn't even start watching the game until, like, the second half. So Here are the, my two takeaways of this game. Because I, I didn't watch it until the second half either, so I'm right on the train with you. Well... Going into halftime, like, oh, this is intriguing. Mm-hmm. Two things that I don't like. There is no no stat that is put on our screen right now. That doesn't mean it didn't happen because I, I think they had one sack or two. That Alabama is not getting the pressure that they have in recent against quarterbacks. And what's hurt Texas A&M this year is making their quarterbacks um, – get hit, make a decision on the fly. I ended up actually kind of researching, like, why did this happen the next day? And Zach Calzada had, like, Tom Brady time in the pocket in the second half. His footwork was good. He looked kind of like a mixture of just really talented quarterbacks, whether – not comparison, so – Talking about footwork, it looked like he had been with Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees and some footwork, and he found his receivers, and they won the game. And Saban has talked about it. you got to score a lot to be successful in today's game, but they are getting no pressure in this game. Yeah, Zach Calzada really surprised me. I. I had I was down on him for a couple weeks. They lost back to back games, um, and he was the guy. They he was their their offense. I mean, Spiller only ran for forty six. They really shut him and a chain down, uh, except for the ninety six yard kick return touchdown, which I think was massive. Uh, Alabama blocks the punt, recovers it for a touchdown in the end zone, and the next play. A&M takes all the momentum back on one foul swoop with the chain running it back for 96 yards to the house. Um, 
was happy that Weidermeyer got involved in this one. Three for 73 and a touchdown. Would still like to have him catch five balls per game. I mean, he should be catching five per game. I don't know why he doesn't, but... Um, this this was supposed to be the AM team that, that was going to challenge Alabama, right? <laughs> and yeah. I, I still don't believe in Jimbo Fisher. I actually kind of believe... Like, you're telling me maybe every defense prepares for him, but you're telling me that your, your running back and Isaiah Spiller can only get 2.7 yards in average? And I'm not even piggybacking off his last name. It's He's talented. Yeah. Well, Jimbo's the only one now, the only one to ever beat Bama as a former assistant. He, yeah. was, he also, before the game, had the worst record being the only one to lose four times to him. Um, but he also backed his words up. He did say this summer they were going to beat Bama before Saban retires, and they got it done. He did, so, and this will resonate with <laughs> A&M boosters and fans for a long time, and I still... I'm not a Jimbo Fisher fan. And, and I want to tell you why. I think he's – that doesn't mean he can't coach and he can't recruit. I think he is not a good developer of quarterbacks. Like they need freaking more money at A&M, dude. Are you, are you kidding me? He didn't win the Florida State Championship by developing Jameis Winston. <laughs> he won that by inheriting Jameis Winston – and riding his back. Jameis Winston was a train wreck at Florida State, and Jimbo Fisher did nothing to develop it. And Dalvin. <laughs> and he's not doing anything to develop quarterbacks. <laughs> and Dalvin. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm going with Michael Clemens for A&M defensively. Three tackles, two souls, sack, tack, floss, pass flexion, three QB hurries. King Wikuda. I don't even know how to say his name was the guy that recovered that block punt for a touchdown in the end zone. Uh, A&M plus 18.5 over 51. I was sad. I was actually rooting for Bama at one point because I um, I live bet minus 4.5. You don't see Bama not cover 4.5 often. So that was All I know is uh, do they win out or do they lose another one? I don't know. <laughs> Mountain West, number 25, San Diego State. Aztecs stay undefeated, rolling over thir- uh, New Mexico 31-7. Brookshire not having to do much. Greg Bell really carried the ball well, 111 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Did put it on the ground, um, but his brother Chance Bell scored once as well. And, yeah, these last two games we don't have to spend much time. We knew it was going to happen. New Mexico New Mexico State suck. So <laughs> And I'm surprised San Diego State, granted they are the only undefeated team in the Mountain West anymore with Wyoming losing to Air Force, but I'm surprised that they're the only one that's ranked. Um, I think the next team we'll talk about should be ranked soon. But they got to win some more games. Uh, yeah. Uh, defensively, I'm going actually with the New Mexico guy because I love defensive touchdowns, so... Ray <laughs> Ray Utele, uh five tackles, three solos, tech floss, and a fifteen yard fumble return touchdown. 
I go safety Trent Thomas, two tackles. I love pass deflections like Chris. Can't throw on me and an interception. Uh, Kentucky transfer quarterback Terry Wilson having an interesting season at New Mexico. Uh, San Diego State did cover minus 19.5 and, a half and over, under 43. Mexico couldn't score enough. <laughs> Nevada beating up on New Mexico State. 55-28. to 28. Carson Strong, dude. I love me some Carson Strong. 377 and six touchdowns. You do. You do. I hate myself for this game, though. Because New Mexico State, they were up seven to three in the at the end of the first quarter. I looked at the live betting, and I was like, "Hmm, Nevada minus seven and a half." <laughs> and I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I was just like, "Well, you know." I've seen it before with the Fresno State uh, UNLV game. I've seen that Mountain West, and granted, this isn't a Mountain West matchup. New Mexico State's independent. <laughs> I was like, I was so hesitant. Even though I covered, I covered that UNLV Fresno State game. Fresno State covered me, uh, I think, eight and a half it was at the end. But I, I don't know why that. that game came into mind and I was like I can't put seven and a half down and dude that would have been the hammer of the century and I hate myself for not doing that I would have liked to see that yeah these are the betting decisions that is why I lose money um, and why I suck at betting but anyways Melquan Stovall Justin Lockhart, both over 100 yards and a touchdown for the Wolfpack. Um, yeah, and like I said, dude, I love Carson Strong, man. I was surprised, though, Cole, uh, Cole Turner didn't do much in this one. Usually very active for Nevada. Not very much. He did score twice on both of his receptions, though. Defensively, I'm going with uh, Dom Peterson. Defensive tackle, two tackles, a solo, one and a half sacks, one and a half tackles lost, two QB hurries. <coughs> Did you have anything for this game, Mark? Team that I thought was going to win, one. <laughs> one big. Not big enough, though, however. New Mexico State... Did cover <laughs> plus 28 and a half because of garbage time points from what are they, the Aggies? Yep. Uh, yeah, they scored, they scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. <laughs> That's why they covered. Plus 28 and a half, over 65. That's also why the over hit. Actually, yeah. I mean, it was it was going to be close, 55 to 7 out. You know. 
Okay, NFL. Or no, I forgot to put the. I always forget to write that one on the dang script, dude. Yes, yes. But you know what, though? I got the stats on here, unlike the UTEP game and the other game. game. Can you believe that? And it was a funny way we (laughs) lost. Dude, it was a ridiculous. If you look at the top 25 in FCS this weekend, upsets galore. Um,. I don't know if you want to talk. I can get my little uh, FCS ranking sheet and just, like, tell you. But I got to go get it. If you didn't watch these games and you don't know about these schools, Missouri Valley, Southern Illinois, great game. Coming down to Southern Illinois, coming back last second. Wasn't it a fumble recovery? I Or a <laughs> interception? I didn't – I always forget to watch these games every weekend, <clears throat> but I, I tried to catch the end of it, and it was already over. Um, but it was a 19-yard touchdown with 34 seconds to go. Um, Nick Baker to Landon Lenore for the tying score. And then South Dakota State scored a touchdown in overtime. First, missed the extra point. That's what that's what lost in the game. Missed extra point in overtime. <laughs> but yes, number eight Southern Illinois did upset number two South Dakota State forty-two forty-one in OT. Um, and yeah, this one was at South Dakota State too. Nick Baker played amazing. 359, four touchdowns for the Salukis. Pierre Strong had a great game as well. 20 for 162 on the ground, two touchdowns. Also threw a touchdown. Um, I believe that one was to Tucker Kraft. I think that's who the touchdown was to. But, yeah, like I said, dude, FCS was ridiculous. I wish I would have watched these games, but, you know, I'm always watching all the FBS games. It's hard to catch the FCS ones, too. Upsets that happened, though, this weekend. Rhode Island. They went to 5-0. and Number 18, Rhode Island. They upset number 9, Delaware, uh, 22-15. You also had... Uh, <coughs> Villanova. They went on the road to James Madison. Uh, yeah. Number... Oh, what was Nova here? Number 11, Villanova, upsets number 3, James Madison, on the road in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You also had your alma mater, dude, get upset in Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown State took down, uh, what were you, number 15, Missouri State, 41-33. Youngstown State's been really good in the past. Uh, and then you had Idaho State. They they took down number seven UC Davis twenty seven seventeen. South Dakota took out uh, number thirteen North Dakota twenty to thirteen. I think there was one more. Um, maybe not. No, that was all. 
But, I mean, just – that was, what, four or five? You had South Dakota State, James Madison, UC Davis, Delaware, North Dakota, Missouri State. Six top 25 upsets in the FCS. Oh, and technically, if you want to count this one too – Jacksonville State technically upset Stephen F. Austin. <laughs> that was a uh, Jacksonville State number 24 over Stephen F. Austin number 23. 28-24. So, the FCS is wild this weekend. <laughs> like I said, I wish I would have watched more games, but I was concerned with the FBS ones, unfortunately. So, uh, Yeah. 97-yard fumble return touchdown for Malik Lofton, which was a crazy play in itself. I don't know if you saw that one, Mark. Um, <laughs> Javon, uh, Javon, uh, Javon, is it Javon? What's his? I blanking on his name. I thought that was what tied the game to go to overtime. Javon, Javon Williams Jr. stripped on the goal line. <laughs> by Malik Lofton, took it to the house. But yeah, anyways, uh, Donovan Spencer, though, 103 yards and two touchdowns for the Salukis, getting it done in the winning effort. And because they put the, the lines out after we have our show on Friday, we always get to tell you the lines here. SIU plus 14.5 over 57. All right, now we get that. Now we get the NFL. Oh, London. Let's talk about it. London calling. 27-24 win. We uh, all got this wrong. For the Falcons in the UK at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, yeah, Zach Wilson sucked. The Jets suck. <laughs> um, uh, I know I'm saying, um, however... Let's just say we are never – I'm never picking the Jets anymore. <laughs> I thought this rookie quarterback was going to infuse life into him and a new coach. And the thing that you have to – I told you guys in a text message, why did I even bank on anything preseason? No one plays anybody in the preseason. It's almost like let's go flag football and then eventually – just play games because the NFL, you got preseason wrong. Did it? I I just wish the Lions had one win, so it would be the Jets, Texans, and Lions. Oh, and the Jags, all fighting for the number one pick right now. But it's only the Jags and Lions because those are the only two teams that don't have wins. Um, <laughs> but the th- the thing is, the Falcons suck too. Come on, <laughs> their defense is terrible. I, that's Fair. why I picked. That's why I picked the Jets because for one, Falcons defense is not that good. They looked like they had freaking all pros on defense in this game. And for two, Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage were out. Now Russell Gage hasn't really done much this year, but with Calvin Ridley out, I thought that was a big issue for the passing game. But it didn't matter because Kyle Pitts had his. First career 100-yard game and his first career touchdown. The injuries in the time zone, I said, 
The Jets are getting the second win of the season. It's in their favor. And exactly what you said, Cordell Patterson has played better above his ceiling. I think they're doing some good job putting him in positions to run the ball, catch the ball, do some special teams things. But I thought with the injuries on the Falcons, okay, Zach Wilson, take care of the ball, get it to Corey Davis. Neither team I thought would have that great of a running game, but Kyle Pitts, he had his coming out party. And I'm not saying that's sustainable, but he had it against um, maybe the (laughs) third worst team in the NFL. First worst team, second. I mean, at this time, let's all juggle the Jaguars, Texans, the Jets, blah, 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 the Lions. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really banking on the Jets to win this one, considering the Patriots were playing the Texans. And you know I have that. You know I have those two bets of, of the Jets finishing third and the Patriots finishing fourth. Now the Patriots are a leg up, and it's, it's going to be tough. But I, I hope, I'm praying, I'm praying that the Jets can get it done. Get get some get some wins rolling for New York. They're playing the fourth place schedule, so how can they not get wins? Um, but they got to play the Texans too. So I'm, I'm banking. I'm banking on a win there. Uh, Sorry, Chris, that you're a Jets fan. And if I lived in New York, I I, I would be a Jets fan. I love firefighters. I love the core the core uh, colors of the Jets, and everybody seems to be a Giants fan that I've met. But it's heartbreaking. I feel for you, man. Yeah, uh, Adi Takumbo, Ogan Deji had a good game for the Falcons defense. Two solo, two tackles, both of them solo. Sack, tackle plus two QB hits. It is funny, dude. Hayden Hurst kept <laughs> fumbling the ball. <laughs> this is very interesting. Um, Falcons did cover minus three. That was annoying. Granted. I had, I mean, I had Jets plus three in a little three-leg parlay that didn't happen anyways because um, Crowder didn't score. But also, I did hit, I, I live bet Jets plus eight and a half, so. Over 46. Over because the Jets kicked a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down. Eagles upset the Panthers in Charlotte, 21 to 18, and... I know the Eagles are my number one team, and people are going to probably dislike me for saying this, but why did you have to win this one? The game that I have money against you, Philadelphia, you lose. Yeah, that's a good question. And the thing is, they shouldn't have lost. They shouldn't have won. When you look at two things. They should not have won. One, they only got a safety on their... Um, on the high snap over Jalen Hurts' head, they only got a safety on that instead of recovering it in the end zone for a touchdown. That's a set. That's a five-point swing right there. Second, they couldn't get the punt off that the Eagles blocked, leading to the game, the uh, one of the touchdowns that the Eagles had, or the go-ahead touchdown. Yeah, the go-ahead touchdown. That the Eagles had the QB sneak from Jalen Hurts. That blocked punt is what led to the Eagles scoring. Those were the two key, the two, two key plays in my mind. Other than that, it's a crappy game. Sam Darnold, and 
people do okay. not do not say stuff about Sam Darnold. Look, Just because he's had two bad games. He doesn't have Christian McCaffrey. I'm not even worried about Sam Darnold. Um, what's the game that we talked about um, in college where they just you keep your foot down, you win the championship, or the game, Texas, OU. This is what I – I was watching this game going, what are you doing? Stop managing every little – and I am a Matt Rule fan and his coaching staff, and I like what they've done with the draft. But they got this lead, and it was managing not to lose instead of let's just keep going. That's what I felt about this game. 15 to 3. Now, you can say that three interceptions will will turn the tide, and that is true. But you don't have Christian McCafferty. You still have someone over 100 yards. I still believe in your defense. But I thought that they just slowed down the game and said, and I don't want to say anyone ever thinks that they're going to win, but I think it was even worse than Texas because the NFL is a shorter game, in my opinion, than college. You're going to have more possessions, going to be more fast-paced. But it was, it's just – I don't. I thought the Panthers lost this game, and people don't like when people say that. But I 100 percent believe that. It's not as if the Eagles just won this game. Yeah, I mean it was it was 15 to three with two and a half to go. I think the start of the issues were that the Panthers gave the Eagles the ball back after they got that safety. Panthers got the safety to go up 15-3 to and gave the Eagles the ball back then because they went three and out. They allowed Jalen Hurts to go down and get a field goal from Jake Elliott to make it 15-6 to at halftime instead of 15-3. to And then, like I said, the other two plays were issues as well. So, yeah. Um, the Panthers had a 82 in a half percent chance to win this game, up 18-13, second and nine on their own 26-yard line with 3.09 to go. 82.5% chance. And then the punt happened. Yeah, swung very quickly. Miles Sanders, I don't know what the hell the Eagles are doing in a running game. They need I yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing right now on offense at all. Other than Jalen Hurts throwing the ball. Um but yeah, defensively, Hassan Reddick. Really good season coming over. Um from the Cardinals. Eight tackles, six solos, two sacks, two tackles lost, two QB hits. Before we move on, I think this game kind of solidifies what and you can argue with me or disagree. But I think Carolina needs a second receiver. They have one. <laughs> I just... They just... Well, who, they've who thrown it? it to him. They've been throwing it to him. He, it's just the issue is he's not catching the ball. Two out of seven for Robbie Anderson in this game. Two catches on seven targets. What I like about Robbie Anderson is it's that lightning, right? You get behind a defense... Um, Sam Darnold knows you from New York. I'm going to loft it, and you're wide open. No, I'm talking about you need someone 
DJ Moore, and you need another. Okay, a third wide well, receiver. Look at every. They do have a, another one too. Second round pick, Terrace Marshall. Um, but I don't know what he's doing. Exactly. That just because you're a second round pick doesn't mean that you're any good. You have to have someone established if you want to compete in your division. But yeah, I so think- I will. I will say you have DJ Moore. I will give credit to Robbie Anderson. But every good team now has somebody that they can go to. It's a, we'll talk about it later. But who does the Chiefs have after Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? There's no tight end play in Carolina. Well, I and think so, I think that's where you're seeing it. You're seeing Tommy Tremble is it's been slow and you know like, they they had to ship like away Dan Arnold in order to get Tremble more snaps. I think their biggest right. issue is is they keep giving Ian Thomas starting reps, but I think the reason they're doing that is cuz Ian Thomas is a better blocker at this stage of Tommy Tremble's career than he right. is. I think that's the only reason that I could see why. I do believe that, that Trimble is capable. It's just like, it's almost like you have to speed up development if you want to sustain winning. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I'm still waiting on Robbie Anderson. I mean, I my dumb ass keeps starting Robbie Anderson in fantasy every week because he had a great matchup. It's The Eagles secondary was not that good. I mean, Darius Slay had two picks. Steven Nelson had a pick, but... That's not on the receiver necessarily all the time. Um, I think all three of the picks were on Sam Darnold this one, actually. You're not a bit on this Panthers train. You can't go go three and three next week. Otherwise, we've got some major holes. But, yeah, uh, Javon Hargrave continues to have a spectacular season for the Eagles um, in his second year with the team. Eagles plus two and a half, under 46. Yeah. Love to see uh, 100-year-old Fletcher Cox down there, too. He's still doing his thing. Lost a lot of freaking money because of the Eagles. God. I had the Panthers parlayed. Panthers money line parlayed with the Titans minus four and a half. I also had Panthers money line straight up. (laughs) We had it. Steelers getting it done at home at Heinz Field. 27-19 over the Broncos. Yeah, I was in love with this game, probably because I didn't have any money on it. <laughs> Actually, I did. I had Najee Harris anytime touchdown, but that was in a parlay that ended up not winning. Uh, which I'll talk about that in Sunday Night Football. Don't you worry. But this was the best the Steelers' offense has looked the entire season. Najee Harris first career hundred yard game on the ground. Fantastic. Loved every aspect of this game. So a lot to not, maybe not a lot to dissect, but I chose the Steelers for the same reason that I picked the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't do what um, I wanted them to do, and because they played a better, hundred percent better opponent. But what you and I have both talked about, you said just let Najee get into a groove, and it's going to help the whole offense. You look at Chase Claypool numbers. Um, I loved what he said before the game, like homies. And he said this, I'm not, you know, don't get mad at me. Homies, people in the media, whoever you want to be, I've already beat the odds. 
So I'm not even worried about our record. I'm going to go out and play. And he played. Mapletron. With, Mapletron. With Juju getting, you know, injured, Roethlisberger didn't have great numbers, but what is the thing that he didn't do through the air? He did have a fumble, but he didn't throw an interception. And with Najee's uh, ground game, that shows that the offensive line is getting better. And I think that is the one issue Pittsburgh's had. It's not that Roethlisberger's – you know, ancient and coming out of a pyramid, decrepit. It's give him time to throw the ball, let him set in the pocket. He can absorb hits. He's never going to be mobile, but give him time. And then you gave your running game a chance. And I picked the Steelers because there was no way I saw the Steelers going one and four. And the Broncos have beaten up some teams that I didn't think were very good. Uh, I I knew I I knew the Steelers defense was going to have a good day against the Broncos offense. That's why I picked the game uh, that I did. But um, yeah, I I think that um, I was kind of surprised Chase Claypool hadn't been doing much this year. But great stat that uh, Steelers reporter for NFL Network Aditi Hinkobala uh, put out on Twitter today. This was the first game this year that all five of the Steelers' offensive linemen played all of the snaps. They hadn't played every single snap together all season so far. Injuries and whatnot. I think that was a big factor. The continuity on the offensive line, regardless of you know experience, I think having everyone in there every single play together is really makes a difference. I think that's going to be something that makes or breaks the Chiefs going forward. That's a different game. What I look forward so okay, Steelers win this game, right? And I think this is the toughest division outside of my Rams division. And I said this going into this. I love all of these teams. Both of those divisions, I have three people in the playoffs if anyone wants to go look. I don't know if that's the NFC West. I don't know. Well, that one. (laughs) But um, talking about Chase Claypool and his numbers, what I want to see moving forward, and we saw last year, is I don't want it just to be receptions. Think about the the, the, the little pass. I think they're pitches, and they didn't count as pass yards when I was growing up in high school. But I want wide receiver end arounds. I want a little pitches. I want to get creative with Chase Claypool because I think he's that talented. And we haven't seen that yet, and you're sitting at two and three, and I think you can expand on your offense. Well, it's a different offense this year. Matt Canada's offense is – they don't have those kind of things. So, Well, Matt Canada, you need to listen. He only, get on he only, listens, he only listens to the MUI. Get on this podcast. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Devin Bush, I liked the game. Only had one tackle, and, a, and it was a solo tackle, but he pitched in a sack, tackle for loss, two QB hits there. Mika Fitzpatrick showing a little bit of uh, youth in this game is what I like. Steelers plus one and a half over 40. What a game. What a game in Cincinnati. 25-22, Packers in overtime over the Bengals. God damn. 
<laughs> I should have put the kickers on here, shouldn't I? <laughs> I text you guys during this game, and everything was, oh my gosh, this is the game to watch. And all I had to say, I, I had to brag on Joe Burrow, okay? Because there's a lot of intriguing. Let's we can all we can pinpoint and talk about the kickers for ten minutes. But I don't believe that the Bengals would be competitive without Joe Burrow. They weren't last year. We already know that. It's just <laughs> amazing, and he still had two interceptions, and he owns it. But he brings every person's best ability out of them. I think he Joe Mixon is nothing without him. Um, we, we do have to talk about Mason what, Crosby. Like what, him well, and Aaron Rodgers are like this, but man, we, three missed field goals. Before you get to the kicker, let's talk about the receivers. Jamar These for Devontae Chase. Adams and Jamar Chase. God, good lord! I mean, Devontae Adams, with two hundred six yards, eleven to catches, and a touchdown. Chase with a 75-yard bomb, six receptions, 159 and touchdown. He has five game, five touchdowns through uh, five – or no, six – is six touchdowns through five games? I don't know. I don't even know what that's like. Adams is leading the receptions in the NFL by a mile. Yeah. And none of us picked Jamar Chase for rookie offensive of the year because of the drops in the preseason. But he's killing it. Just he late. is killing just wait. It's fine. It's fine. He can have those. But just wait. Because we saw that last game, Najee got 100 yards. No, He's coming. No, 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 he is coming. No. And and because no. Najee because Najee had all those receptions in the first four games, I'm telling you, Najee's coming, dude. Najee's going to rebound. He's going to have a 1,000-yard season. You need to take that noise to the West Coast because that's just not happening. Najee's going to have a 1,000-yard season and 10-plus touchdowns. He's in the driver's seat in a Ferrari just going, because it is not happening. And if anyone wants to see a dynamic duo, if you ever have a chance to – draft a number one quarterback and then a receiver again in the top 10 to 15 and they should be from the same school oh my gosh they they're like on brainwaves well everyone's doing it now that's what the cool kids do nowadays Mark. <laughs> Devontae uh, smith with jalen hurts jalen waddle with two and tiger valoa i know, <laughs> I know that's what the I cool know, kids do nowadays mark um now need uh, more offensive uh no, I'm just kidding but the kickers <laughs> we had we had uh five <laughs> straight missed field goals before the one wind. finally went through <laughs> there was some wind in Cincinnati there was a few kicks that looked like they were straight on and that was like only one or two. But then the other misses was like when it came off their foot, I was like, "That's not, that's wide left." I that's thought not going. In. I thought the craziest thing was the Bengals tied it with three twenty-seven to go in the game, and there were three. They got three possessions. The the, I know. the Packers got two, and the Bengals got one in three minutes and twenty-seven seconds. Three possessions in that amount of time. Um. 
And yeah. it wasn't even like it was a three and out. Packers got five plays, 57 yards, a minute 15. Bengals had nine plays, 35 yards, a minute 51. And then the Packers, three plays, 20 yards, 21 seconds. <laughs> but, yeah, Crosby missed. Then McPherson misses. And then Crosby missed again to end regulation. Burrow, first play of overtime, picked off by Devondre Campbell. Packers are like, bro, we got this. This is game. (laughs) Mason Crosby said, nah, bro, sorry. I want to play a little bit more. (laughs) And then the funniest thing in the game, Bengals go down... (laughs) They kick a field goal. Evan McPherson's like, yeah, buddy. We got it. (laughs) Hit the flag. Like, bro, the flag does not count as it. (laughs) And then Aaron Rodgers said, all right, boys, this is it. (laughs) We're we're done. And it was funny. Aaron Rodgers postgame, I don't know if you saw it. He said, for the final one, for the final field goal, he, well, at first, he asked our special teams coordinator, he's like, is he going to make it? And special teams coach said, yeah, he's going to make it. So, so Rodgers, for all the other field goal attempts, he had been down on the side that the field goal was. And for the game winner, he said he walked to the other end of the field. And he said, I guess that side had some some mojo down there. So. I do. Okay, don't get me wrong. You have to break down defenses. You have to do a lot of things at every position. But field goal kickers do have a very hard job. How many people in the world can kick a football in any condition through an upright? It 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 was a quintessential kicker kicking is for losers game though. There is a big movement. <laughs> On Twitter, every time a kicker misses a kick, that said we should not have kickers anymore. <laughs> but it changes games. It changes games. It's fun, though. Yeah. In Cincinnati, if no one's ever been to Cincinnati, there's a river right there. It's 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 colder. There's wind. I don't think Mason Crosby misses three in San Diego, if that makes sense. In SoFi Stadium. He doesn't miss three kicks. He had he had made twenty seven straight field goals before. That. <laughs> Justin Tucker doesn't make a sixty six yard field goal in Cincinnati. He makes it in Detroit, and that's not taking anything away from him because I can't do the damn thing. Excuse my language, but you're just not making that much yardage in Cincinnati, especially at the change of summer to fall. All right. Um... Defensively, Trey Hendrickson has been a great signing for Cincinnati from New Orleans this offseason. Four tackles, two solos, two sacks, two tackles plus three QB hits. Von Bell, maybe he leaves him in tackles and you can make fun of me. But eight solo and three tackles for loss? Come on. Also a signing from New Orleans. (laughs) Uh, And Stokes, let's not talk about the UGA. Love you, brother. Keep getting better. Packers cover minus two under 50. That's the funny thing, too. They had 44 points at the end of regulation. Over betters are probably like, bro, we're good. 
We got Rodgers in overtime, bro. He's going to score a touchdown. Come on. <laughs> you thought. <laughs> Only 47 points in this one. And also, it could have pushed, too. Had McPherson made his. That's what I was waiting for. Well, That's what well, I was well but, 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 Burrow, had he not thrown an interception, then McPherson kicks a field goal. But because he threw that interception, it would have been game for Crosby. So they couldn't have pushed realistically, anyways. Um, but, anyways, let's go to other NFC North teams. Vikings walking it off. Greg Joseph, game winner. Uh, 49 yards, I believe it was. Just to check, 54. I was five yards off. 54-yard game winner from Greg Joseph at the end of regulation, 1917. Vikes win. And I don't understand how the Vikings didn't run away with this game. For one, because exactly. the Lions suck. Um, but for two, they were up 13-6 to six at half. Up. 16 to 6 with four and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. And when they were up 16 to 6, I wrote down in my my binder that I keep track of the division records every every week. I was like, "All right, Vikings 2 and 3, Lions 0 and 5, wrote down their division and conference records." <laughs> and then I see this crap happens and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And this game pissed me off for one. The biggest thing that pissed me off this game, I lost an anytime touchdown parlay. Devontae Adams, Alvin Kamara, forget the other one. <laughs> Fourth one, the one that I lost, Justin yeah. Jefferson. Ow. He goes yeah. for seven for 124 and he doesn't score? Are you kidding me, dude? Well, I was thinking about this game when we were talking about picks, and I said, division, I, I, I do see glimpses. Like, no one can argue that you don't see glimpses of the Lions being a decent team at times. But I still think the Vikings are really the best bad team. Does that make sense? Like, you, you don't have Cook on here, but you have another 100-yard rusher. And, okay, they're always going to throw a lot with Kirk Cousins. And is he going to turn it over or not turn it over? And then they traded away a bunch of their defensive team. So you're left with this Vikings team that's like, they're not bad, but they're not good. Front seven. And you're, you're going to get that all season long. The Lions are the spirit animal of their head coach. Really. Every single week, every single week you can see the amount of work that Dan Campbell puts into his team. And, I mean, you saw it on his post-game press conference. I mean, when do you ever see a head coach that just went to 0-5 and lost by two points cry at the post-game press conference. Rarely do you ever see that. And uh, I think that just, like a lot of people say, that just shows how much Dan Campbell cares and how much his team actually fights for him. Um, and what's crazy about it is his first year. I mean, he's never been head coach. 
this is the first time, and that's how much the players have bought in. And um, unfortunately, I'm happy that the Lions keep losing because I do have a wager on them to lose or um, to win under five games. So <laughs> for my wallet's sake, I, I'm yeah, sorry, I, Dan uh, Campbell, but uh, I hope you keep losing. lose under five games. And I do like Dan Campbell. I do. Um, I'm concerned with DeAndre Swift, his workload, not getting enough carries in my mind. Specifically, I'm yep. talking about fantasy. Um, he has been a PPR monster. That will get you a lot of points. But I, I hate the, the Jamal Williams split. I, DeAndre Swift should be a bell cow. I, that's, but that's why they brought Jamal Williams in, to split the carries so anyways uh for anyone that's watching that plays fantasy against me in a league don't pick up i'm in ross st brown i want to pick him up this week <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah okay um defensively let's go with the neil hunter four tackles two solos sack tech floss three qb hits you could also go with griffin as well if you want Uh, Lions. This was one of my best bets, y'all. I told you. Lions plus 10. They covered under 50. Best bets looked a lot better this week. I will say that. Bucks. <laughs> Just railing the, the Dolphins in Tampa. <laughs> Tommy boy. Is, is he... Is he going to win the MVP at age 43? The only way he wins the MVP at age 43 is because it's fucking rigged. Excuse my language. Josh <laughs> Allen and Kyler Murray should be front runners, and they are the front runners. We expect this out of Tom Brady. We expect this with as much talent on your roster. No one expected Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals to be what they are. You did. Everybody you did. You put them in the playoffs. I, I do. I told you guys that. I've been on their bandwagon. But this is what would drive me crazy but would make mainstream podcasts. Tom Brady does it again at the age of 43. Stop it. Stop it. They put everyone around them to be this good. And I'm not taking anything away from him because he did look darn good. But for the first time in a lot of weeks, they had a decent run game. <coughs> And you have Antonio Brown, the fastest person to 900 catches, y'all. You have Mike Evans. He's seven feet tall, and he's a gangster. He's a gangster. It's not just because of Tom Brady. He's not MVP. I will boycott the motherfucking NFL if he is the MVP. You know what I am loving right now is my future bet. My $20, my little little $20 to match the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles for SoFi I, Stadium. I think it's 100% going to – right am now it's a – absolutely course. loving that, and that would load my pockets with 500 big ones. Please, Lord. It's not <laughs> – Here's what I 
<laughs> I don't see the Buccaneers making the Super Bowl. They will. Just just wait. <laughs> if that happens, there's going to be some investigation that <laughs> the... Roger Goodell <laughs> and has it out. I just... Uh... For one, they haven't played the Cardinals yet, but for two, they already beat the Cowboys. And they couldn't beat the Rams, but that was at LA. That wasn't in Tampa. Play. Just see it. Play. Play the Bucks in Tampa in the playoffs. LA Rams. See how that goes for you. Um. I would love to see two cold weather teams. I'd love to see the Bills and Packers. No, we don't need Aaron Rodgers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. A.B., Mike Evans, both over 100. I, I mean, dude, come on. 411 yards, five touchdowns for Tom Brady. No turnovers. Ridiculous. And he did. He's looking like Lamar Jackson every week now. I mean, he's running He's running the ball. <laughs> it's back-to-back weeks, dude. He's had, he's had long runs. Uh, <laughs> but anyways. I will say this. The two things that came to fruition for me so far. I told you guys I was big on the Arizona Cardinals. And I told you I didn't think the Miami Dolphins Oh, my God. Okay. Well, Tua's been hurt. And Jacoby Brissett, <laughs> Jacoby Brissett as, as the safest backup quarterback in the league, sucks ass. You need to get off... You need to get off the two, the Tagalaboa, blah, 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 unless they're playing defense on Notre Dame. All right, when, when when the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson at the trade deadline and they make the playoffs, let me know. Okay, I am <laughs> down. I would love to see that. Where is? Why do? How do we not have a video editor to cut these clips, dude? These are these are gold right now. I don't have time to do this crap to cut that video for that. I mean that that would get some views though. I can tell you that. <laughs> It's just not unless the Dolphins get Deshaun Watson, this team is going down. As long as they finish second in the AFC, it's all that matters to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> defensively, Jamel Dean for the Bucks, five tackles, five solos, two pass selections, and a pick. Uh, Bucks minus eleven covered over forty-eight. Bucks almost by themselves. Saints beat the Washington football team 33-22 in D.C. I don't um, want to talk about this crap either. Actually, it's not in D.C., but, you know, FedEx Field, whatever. Uh, this game screwed me over, too, especially if the Ravens win tonight. You know why? I had a teaser parlay, a 7.5-point teaser parlay, mind you. Not even a regular 6-one. 7.5 points. Washington, plus 10. They were covering the entire game until the last Camara touchdown, and then they couldn't get any points after that. Jameis, this was this was a typical Jameis game, though. <laughs> His numbers are fifty percent. He has a bunch of touchdowns. <laughs> I love Ron Rivera as a defensive coordinator, and I thought, you know, you go the Giants. The Giants beat Saint like. Their the Saints are trash. Up and down. They've had some injuries, but I thought that they would be able. I thought it was going to be a field goal game, and that's why I picked them as a dog. And 
Their secondary is terrible. Here's the thing I need to look at differently. Instead of saying, okay, this coach is good at this, and can we game plan for that? Sometimes there's just too much talent on one team. And Alvin Kamara is one of the best backs, and now I get caught with my pants down. Picking Washington fucking football team with the stupidest name. I, yeah, Jameis, though, again, I, like I said, this is a typical Jameis game. He had a freaking Hail Mary at halftime. <laughs> Who makes Hail Marys except for Aaron Rodgers? Almost no. Yep. Uh, and he also had a wide open Deontay Harris for a 72-yard touchdown. So there's that. Offensively for Washington, Terry McLaurin didn't get enough. I mean, he did, he did get 11 targets, which is his normal-ish workload. But only four for 46. That's how they lose. I still do like Taylor Heineke, though. Regardless of sub-50% completion, 248, and through two interceptions, I still like him. He's still young. He's got a lot of moxie. He is. And um, I still like him, though. Even as a division rival for the Eagles, but that's fine. Defensively, Demario Davis, eight tackles, five solos, sack, tuck floss, three QB hits. Ionitis and Allen both had three QB hits as well for Washington's defensive line, so they tried to help the secondary anyways. Saints covered, minus two and a half, over 44. AFC South Titans destroying the Jags, 37-19. And yeah, this is a good game. Good game for Trevor Lawrence. He only threw, threw one interception. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, James Robinson continues to to be pretty much the offense for Jacksonville. I mean, he's running the ball very well. Granted, the, the Tennessee defense is not that great, but um, the King, three more touchdowns for the King in this one. <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> and I knew, I knew he was going to do that. That's why... Um, I had him to score a touchdown this weekend because Derrick Henry loves playing the Jaguars. He has killed them every time he's played them. Division foe just knows what to do. And it didn't start very pretty. He was having struggles in the first half. Uh, and then it's that wear down effect. <laughs> you just keep pounding them, keep pounding, keep pounding, keep pounding. And then finally he breaks loose. Um <laughs> I was very happy. Dan Arnold, I'm, I'm putting in waiver claims for Dan Arnold this week as well because, you know, DJ Tark's out with his ankle, might not return this year. You know, not very sold on Marvin Jones. But Dan Arnold, only his second game, I believe it was, with the Jags after the trade from Carolina, leads the game in receiving yards, which is ridiculous considering, you know, you got A.J. Brown on the other side. So, yeah, I liked, liked Dan Arnold's game in this one. Did turn it over. <clears throat> but um, also intriguing, I already mentioned A.J. Brown, but Marcus Johnson led the Titans in receiving. Not A.J. Brown. <laughs> it's a really weird game passing for the Titans. Um, <clears throat> but My question is, we have some 0-5 teams. We know the off-field 
shenanigans of one team compared to another, who wins their first game? Comes down to schedules, and I don't have them in front of me right now. I would say the same thing. We'll talk about it later, but that—that's what I would say. And the, I'm curious the to Lions, see the Lions, though. The Lions. You know, does does Urban Meyer finish this season, or is it one season? I I would like to keep track of that too. No, just like Jimbo, they're paying Urban too much to fire him after this year. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, defensively, uh, a lot of really great performances. I mean, look at the look at the stat sheets they loaded up in this one. Kevin Byard, though, he's considered one of the best safeties in the league. Ten tackles, eight solos, two pass selections, a pick, and a 30-yard fumble return for a touchdown. Um, I mean, take your pick, Mark. <laughs> you got a lot of choices. There's too many. <laughs> go. I, I have to go Kevin Byard. I thought, I thought you were going to keep with the winning team. I, I was. I thought you were going to go the guy below him, Harold Landry. Two sacks, two tax loss, three QB hits. Titans. Well, I mean, that's a that's a winning team. Ten tackles, two pass deflections, one interception, one fumble. Recovery, but I already one said him though. I know, but I got. It. I mean, <laughs> I like the antagonist, but in a game like this, like you can't get better than that. That's what it. That's what I want. Uh, Titans covered minus four. I hit on that one. And uh, over 49. Next up. Patriots. Close one in Houston, 25-22. What a day for Davis Mills. What a day. Thank you. Someone (laughs) outplayed another quarterback, in my opinion. Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback of week five. (laughs) I I would love to go against you, and I hate. I hated seeing the the stat that they posted, like uh, Belichick's eleven and one or eleven and zero or or ten or something against rookie quarterbacks, and that has nothing to do with this this win because Davis Mills outperformed everybody. Yeah, running game for neither side was very good. Uh, Harris put the ball on the ground again. He's he is deep. Deep in Belly Belichick's doghouse now. That's two fumbles this season so far for Harris. Cost uh, almost well, they did cost him the game against Miami, and then you know could have cost him the game here against Houston. But um, the the play calling, I don't know who the offensive coordinator is for for the Texans, but the play calling was spectacular in this game. I mean. I don't- to run the flea flicker and throw a touchdown, you know they had oh, yeah. another deep throw that scored, um, and yeah, I thought it was very great play called uh, play calling game for the Texans. Tim Kelly is the OC. Oh yeah, Chip's brother, or no, Brian's uh, brother. Brian's brother. It's Brian's Brian Kelly's brother. Yeah, my bad. Brian Kelly's brother. Yeah. I know that the Patriots won their. Two and three. I don't think that's a hard division outside of the Bills. I will say that right now. I think it's one of the most easiest ones, and the Bills should easily win that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see the trade that happened this year. A, I don't think Sonny Michelle has gotten up to speed with maybe what, 
you know, uh, my lookalike wants to do. Well, he's the backup, but but I, I'm, well, I in saying that, I think Sonny Michelle would be the lead. I, I think he's better than what they have on the roster, and they and they traded him. That's still foreseeable because it's only week five. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see this week to see if they give the the, the starting workload to Ramondre Stevenson or not. Right. Because he was by far the best rookie overall, not just offense or not just running backs. Best overall rookie in the preseason was Ramondre Stevenson. And like I said, with Harris fumbling the ball, you know, big opportunity there for early down touches. The issue is with the New England offense, Bill likes to use multiple backs. That's why he has Brandon Bolden as the receiving back, so Ramondre is not going to be able to catch the ball more than likely. So, but yeah, I thought it was a, it was a good step for the Texans um, against a middle-of-the-pack team. So, you know, they get to play the Jags one more time this year. They already beat them. So maybe the Texans get two wins. Um, I will say also, Hunter Henry's coming on for the Patriots now. He's he's finally finally starting to have that passing game impact that they signed him for. And granted, it was interesting because they signed Jonu Smith to be the passing threat and not Hunter Henry. Yeah, but I think it's going the opposite way right now. I don't think Jonu's played that well, and I think Hunter Henry is the guy that's starting to emerge as the passing threat. Which, not no offense, Patriots, but I think more people than not would say that Hunter Henry was the better tight end anyways. <laughs> I think Hunter Henry's the more complete tight end than Johnny is. So <clears throat> but uh defensively let's go with Matt Judon. Another another fantastic that was by far the best offseason in all the money spent for New England. Matt Judon has been lights out for New England this season. Four tackles, two solos, two sacks, two tackles loss and a QB hit. Three QB hits. Uh, Texans covered plus eight over 39. Bears, what a win in Vegas. 20 to nine. My God. I I don't even chalk it up to the Bears winning. I chalk it up to the Raiders laying an egg. I can't I can't get the Bears credit. I can't. Their defense I can, but not not the offense. Um they ran the ball well. I did not expect Khalil Herbert to get 18 carries, the rookie from Oregon. Or no, Virginia Tech. Not not Oregon. Virginia Tech. Um, but, yeah. Raiders have a running game issue. They can't run the ball at all. They haven't been able to this whole entire year. And when they can't do that, and Derek Carr struggles, it doesn't go well. So... There's, there's a lot of factors, and none of it is what maybe the media portrayed this week. That's a different discussion. A, it's slow starts. It's B, the running game that you talked about. And the third thing is, guess what Chicago did? Because they have – I think their defense won this game 100%. Guess whose name is not on our stats? He's the third best – maybe the first best tight end now in the league. 
Darren Waller is not mm. on on these stats, and you're not going to win if he's not. It's going to open up, you know, Josh Jacobs. I love Hunter Renfro and and, and his moxie that he has as an undersized uh, route runner. <laughs> and mm. I mean, I the, the the quarterback play for Chicago is not going to get it done. That's not going to win you a Super Bowl unless your defense is. Better than the 85 Bears, but I will shout out a couple people. Roquan Smith, that is a great draft pick. He is a centerpiece like Erlacher. But I'll also shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders. Denzel Perriman was a good trade. Yeah. He really was a good trade. And you just have to figure it out. They have to. You you see him win a tight game against Baltimore. You, you you see them win against the Steelers. And they have capabilities of being a good team. But the only thing I worry about is consistency. Are you going to be 8-8 eight eight again or 9-8? and eight? Are you going to jump that hump and at least be, you know, 10-6? and six? Yeah, Roquan's the reason why Darren Waller's not on this list. Granted, he did catch four balls for 45 yards on eight targets. Um, but I still think... I know Trayvon Diggs is doing Trayvon Diggs things in Dallas, which we'll talk about in a couple games. But I still think Roquan's up there. I think he has to be considered for Defensive Player of the Year. I I think he's having that good of a season, even on a three and two team. But defensively, that's not who I'm going with. I'm going with Unique Ngakwe. Great signing um, from the Ravens this off season. Three tackles, three souls, two sacks, tack floss, and two QB hits. Bears plus five and a half under forty six lowest scoring game of the weekend. No, it was not actually. I take that back. Forgot Still was the ugliest game. Forgot one crappy game coming up that I'll. This was know. not the lowest scoring game of the weekend. That's for sure. It's the highest scoring it was game of the weekend. Game and I felt sorry for you because I was like, "His lone wolf is going to pay off," and it didn't. I almost got all of my NFL lone wolves right. I only had two of them, but 47-42 Chargers in SoFi Stadium in L.A. But it's okay. You know why? Because Justin Herbert put up 50 fantasy points this weekend <laughs> and gave me a shot tonight with Jonathan Taylor and Mark Andrews. <laughs> so thank you, Justin Herbert, for not turning the ball over and throwing for almost 400 yards, running for 29 and scoring five total touchdowns. But Baker Mayfield played well also. Um, don't want to discount his 300-yard performance, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Chubb and Chubb and Hunt were outstanding once again. Eckler was good. I mean, everyone was good in this game, except the defenses. <laughs> what I don't, what, the reason I picked against the Browns was the torn – Torn wasn't a torn labrum that was suspected in Baker Mayfield, which you could sometimes play through or in torn his, something in his non in his non throwing shoulder, right. left shoulder. Right. The Chargers coming off a big win. We saw what the Cowboys were able, capable of do to doing. I thought the Browns were the Browns since we saw them play the Chiefs, and they were going to figure it out. Well, they were up there almost the entire game. But then they pulled the Browns of the Browns. Like, that's the only way you can say it. They turned back into the Browns. 
And here's my take on it. I'm not going to tell you why they won or why they didn't. Austin Eckler is playing out of his mind, in in my opinion, for the for the Chargers. And they are right now the team to beat in that division. I still think the Chiefs can turn this around. But what worries me about the Browns, and I have them as a playoff team, is you did go get Clowney. You do have Miles Garrett. You are supposed to get, you know, Beckham back, even though after an injury. When are you going to all put it together? And it has nothing to do with history and, and sorcery and this and that. And so I went with the Chargers, but I wouldn't have been mad if the Browns won. But with this defense, you how are you going to give up 47 points? How? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I, I just like Texas. This uh, this game, I thought <laughs> thought I had it. <laughs> and, and before we move on, let me tell you who the baddest. I'm not gonna. We I know you and I both use choice words. The baddest mofo right now on defense is Derwin James. He is a legitimate game changer, y'all. The dude is bad. Mike Williams is bad on offense. He is outplaying Keenan Allen, and he is lighting it up. Crazy. And you know why he's lighting it up, though? You know why? Because the contract here. That's exactly why. Mike Williams, I, I can almost bet. I'm not going to. But I can almost bet you that in 2022, regardless of whether Mike Williams is with L.A. or with someone else, if he gets paid, he will not have the type of season he's having this year. <laughs> well, maybe that works out. You're right. Like, Keenan, <laughs> we know what Keenan's made of, and so Mike Allen is making up for it. Keenan Allen's a beast, too. I think he's really underrated at that position. Yeah, defensively, I know you said Derwin. I'm going with Miles Garrett, though. My pick, uh, not my pick for a defensive player of the year, but I. I I mentioned him in our conversation. Two tackles, two solos, sack, tech philosophy, pass selection, and three quarterback hits. Chargers, minus two and a half. They covered over 47. That's the thing, too. I would have had the freaking cover. I would have had the cover. I would have got one point for my dog. Actually, I don't even know if that was my dog. I don't remember. It Uh, was. But I would have got at least one point. We all lost our dog this week. I would have got at least one freaking point because the Chargers didn't want to score. They were going to kick a field goal and win the game. 43-42, that covers plus two. But no, Browns defense had to carry Dang and Eckler into the the end zone like they were carrying a baby. (laughs) They did. Oh, I love that analogy. I love that example. I love it. Over 47, though. Chargers got it by themselves, pretty much. Cream Hunt showing life after the Chiefs. Cowboys blowing out the Giants in Dallas, 44-20. Daniel Jones goes out with concussion. And the Cowboys are rolling. Today was the day last season against the Giants in Dallas that Dak broke his ankle. Um, And it's just night and day. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. They The thing is, 
I don't put it all on deck. I they're running the ball outstandingly well right now. <clears throat> and that's setting Dak up nicely in the passing game. Okay. Where do you want to start? Because they haven't Not been long. good. They haven't been good in the past, which to me brings up the two things that I don't think people are going to talk about enough. Because I do, after this, I will touch on the offense. We were all high on Micah Parsons and pick him for our defensive rookie of the year, and he should be right now. Mm. However, however, Traymond Diggs has an interception in every game this season, I believe, for a total of six in five games. And that is huge. That is huge. They're talking about Nick Saban coming to him and saying, I don't want you to play wide receiver. And he almost quit football and reached out to Stefan Diggs and said, trust what Nick Saban has to say and look at him. Now, going into the season, I was never worried about the offense. I actually thought the offense, two best offenses in the National Football League, in my opinion, we didn't talk about it. I either thought it was going to be the Cowboys or the Browns. And then after that, it would be Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, whatever you want to put it. But this offense, C.D. Lamb, then it's Amari Cooper, then it's Ezekiel Elliott, then it's um, – why am I drawing blank on everybody that's mad that Zeke didn't have great games the first few games? I just think they were so dynamic. And I sent you guys a text message after the Panthers game saying, I'm on this train. I'm on DeMarcus Spears' train. They have a chance at it all. Have a chance. Not my Super Bowl picks, but have a chance. Yeah. They're going to easily win the NFC East. Um, and that's coming from an Eagles fan. But uh, <clears throat> it's fine. It's fine that they win the NFC East. That's, that's okay. <laughs> you know why? Because they're going to be the Cowboys in the playoffs. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to lose to the Tampa Bay Bucks, like they already did once. Um, whether that's in the divisional round wild card, uh, well, the Bucks the Bucks are the number one seed, so they're not gonna they're not gonna be in the wild card round. But whether that's divisional round or the uh, <coughs> championship game, it's fine. I'm not worried about it. But uh, Kadarius Tony had himself a good day until <laughs> until he was a until he was a dumbass at the end of the game and punched a cowboy. With the helmet on. <laughs> it's so fun. I was surprised the announcers didn't say anything about that. Usually they do. Usually they're like, you're so stupid. Like, what? Like, what's that going to accomplish when someone <laughs> yeah. has a helmet on? It's going to break your hand. That's what it's going to accomplish. <laughs> like, freaking idiot. Um, but, yeah. Defensively, yeah, Trayvon Diggs, I mean, monster. Anthony Brown did have a pick six, though, as well. Just saying. Cowboys, uh, minus seven, covered over 53. Cardinals, five and oh. 17-10 win in Arizona over division rival 49ers. This game pissed me off, Mark. I live bet. Cardinals, minus seven and a half. They were up, uh, what was it, 17 
to uh, seven. I think it was seventeen to. Yeah, they were up seventeen to seven. I think I bet it when they were up ten to three. And then uh, I don't. I don't know. Or no. Yeah, they were up ten to seven. And that was I bet it when they were up. 17 to 7. So I was like, bro, they got this. And, um, yeah. Then they let them just roll down the field. Like, nah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll down the freaking field and let them kick a field, field goal. I couldn't believe that they didn't have enough offense to cover 7.5 points against the freaking Niners. After they had been scoring like 38 points per game. When I, when I was... Picking games. This was almost a dog as an outright dog because I think each division, the more you play in it, it gets tougher. But I said, no, I've been wrong with the Cardinals. I don't think they're going to go undefeated by any means. But everybody thought I was crazy for being on the back <laughs> wagon at the front of the year. And what I liked about this game, it was ugly. It was a division foe. They found a way to win. And guess whose name is on here that hasn't been on for a long time? <laughs> Mr. J.J. Watt. Three tackles, three solos, two tackles for loss, one pass deflection, three quarterback hits. A key pass deflection. Yep. That led to the freaking field goal. <laughs> and the only reason that I actually picked the Cardinals in this game is – Mobile quarterback. I think Kyler Murray gives coaches fits and can extend a game or extend a play, and he did just enough. Um, and I think, you know, Trey Lance didn't have a terrible game, but he didn't have a great game, and so that leaves your, your you as if you are a 49ers fan, like, what does the future look like? What does this season look like? Yeah, uh, oh. Um, Kyler, Murray's, Kyler Murray's got a got an arm injury right now. We'll have to check that out. I know he's hampered in the fourth quarter. But DeAndre Hopkins, still DeAndre Hopkins. Defensively, I'm yeah. going with the Niners, though. I'm going Nick Bosa. Sack, he's a, Jack's lost two QB hits. He's a beast. Gosh. Cardinals, minus five and a half, did cover under 49. See, I didn't get him. I didn't get him at five and a half, though. Got him at seven and a half during the game for a freaking team scoring thirty-eight points. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Who lone wolfed it? Oh, this guy. <laughs> yes, dude. Josh Allen balling out thirty-eight twenty over the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Um, no turnovers. Four total touchdowns for Joshy, and um, it was pouring. Did not matter. He ran the ball very effectively as well. Him and Mahomes actually led both teams in rushing. Um, Look, best performance of the weekend, hands down. <laughs> Anybody want to argue with me? You can go uh, catch the bus that's going to nowhere land. Josh Allen's performance. I told you before we got on um, our podcast briefly, 
why did I pick the Chiefs? I just thought sometimes you have to pick teams. I, I told you, I thought the Bills are a 10 times better team. The point differential, you have can have all these stats. And that's what all these podcasts and ESPN and FS1 and whoever wants to throw at you. But sometimes you have to pick a team that is up against the wall and you think needs a win. And I thought the Chiefs needed that. And it didn't come through, so it helps me and Chris, even though we picked the Chiefs, that Josh Allen we picked as the MVP. But KC's got some issues. Everybody wants to talk about the defensive side of the ball because that's glaring. But Patrick Mahomes is going to shoulder everything without a running game. And when I say shoulder everything, that's make a play on your feet. That means make a whiz play with your arm. That makes the real play that you're supposed to. They're counting on him to do everything, and everybody in his division is now picking up on it, and he can't do it. He's not. There is no such thing in the world as Superman, even though he's looked like it. Yeah, he's got he's got kryptonite. Yeah, three things with the Chiefs. Uh, <clears throat> before I get to that, Monday Night Football has kicked off. Ravens get the ball first. Um, but three things with the Chiefs. First off, they don't have a running game, um, and that goes into the second point where. Um, Five new starters, essentially, on the offensive line. I think there's five. It might only be four. But almost, I think it's five. Yeah, I mean, it's a brand-new offensive line. They're only five games into the season. They haven't gelled enough. They haven't played enough together. And third, I think people have figured out Mahomes and the Andy Reid's scheme overall. I mean, yeah. like you kind of said earlier, it's Hill and Kelsey. Who else is going to get open? Miko yep. was the leading receiver for the Chiefs in this one. I didn't find the end zone. Um, you know, but wow, the Colts got a stop on. That's not good. Yeah. I have Lamar Jackson first touchdown, dude. Like, come on. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I was disappointed by Travis Kelsey's output. Luckily, his night got saved by the touchdown. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was happy I got I the did, win. It, and you know, if, if you and I did power rankings, maybe that's something we do on the that all, all three of us do on on some podcasts to change things up. I actually put the Bills in the one slot. I mean, they are are absolutely annihilating people. The point differential, the way that, I mean, Josh Allen rolls out to the white, right, waves people down, throws just a dime. I, I'll put them above the Arizona Cardinals right now. Yeah. And the defensive masterpiece for Leslie Frazier last night was amazing. Cover two all well, night. Cover two. That's all they did. Cover you two. Have two. You have two coaches that have been <laughs> DCs and head coaches, and I think that's also an advantage on your on your coaching staff. Leslie Frazier, with the right talent, isn't a bad coach. Head coach. Four man rush. Cover two, and uh, <laughs> they blitzed on one out of sixty three defensive snaps last night. That's it. Um. 
We talked about other guys for defensive rookie of the year. Greg Rousseau is another guy we have to keep into consideration. He's having himself heck of a season in Buffalo. Tech Floss, pass flexion, quarterback hit, and a pick. And then all that one of his other teammates did was just, you know, Micah Hyde, one of the best safeties in the league, if not the best. Pick six, 26 yards to the house. So. This is not, this is not like tooting Mahomes' horn or making any downgrade to the Buffalo Bills. But I have said this last season, and I'm going to say it again. The NFL has to change their statistics. One of Mahomes' interceptions should not count against him. You hit your receiver <laughs> running across the field with both hands, and he's one of the best receivers, and someone intercepts it. That shouldn't necessarily be your turnover. Uh, Bills cover plus three over 57. Dude, catch the ball, Jonathan Taylor. I need the fantasy points. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I need the freaking points. All right, NFL news. Let's roll. Let's roll. Got to get to this game. Uh, NFLPA's board of reps, they voted to retain executive director Demora Smith for another term. Uh, could be as little as just next season um he received only the minimum of 22 votes out of the 32 player reps um eight voted against him and two abstained so yeah demora smith continues to be the executive director of the nflpa that's what i like to freaking see of course jonathan taylor's taking it to the house tackle him tackle him oh good lord That's a lot of fancy points. That's not good for Ravens minus seven or Lamar Jackson first touchdown. However, unfortunately. Um, love the fantasy points, though. Great times. Okay. Uh, the NFL is getting closer to playing games in Germany. Um, as the in where? League, in Germany. As the uh. league will announce uh, its three finalist cities tomorrow. <coughs> So, I would assume Frankfurt will be one, considering they have the Frankfurt Galaxy already playing American football in the uh, Europe European League of Football, I believe it's called. Um, used they used to have NFL Europe. That's where the Frankfurt Galaxy come from. Um, but I'm not sure what the other two cities would be. So. Frankfurt is a pretty cool city. That's all I'm gonna say. I would assume, <clears throat> I would assume, um, Berlin would be one. Yep. Capital. <clears throat> um, but I just don't know where they have stadiums. I know they have one in Frankfurt. That's I don't know where the other stadiums are. <clears throat> uh, the Dolphins. I already kind of mentioned this, but. The Dolphins, they are still interested in, in Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. Texans' price is still way too high, astronomically high. So, what to see? Trade deadline coming up in, uh, I believe it's like four weeks, something like that. I don't know the exact date. I think it's the like the second week in November or something like that. So, I just wonder if they're going to bring down that price ever. I mean, I wouldn't. Why? Why would you? 
If he can play, he's really good. The Bengals, they placed offensive lineman Jackson Carmen and running back Samaje Piran on the COVID list. Um, the Seahawks, they activated tight end Gerald Everett from the COVID list. The Ravens expected, uh, they activated wide receiver Miles Boykin for tonight's game from the IR. So he should be playing right now. All right, injuries, boatload of them. Browns, offensive lineman Chris Hubbard. He is going to have season-ending tricep surgery done for the year. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, he had surgery on his middle finger. Uh, he's going to be out four to eight weeks, targeting a week 10 return. Um, had three pins put into his middle finger, characterized as, um, or described as a mallet finger. So do it that way you will. The Bears, they placed running back David Montgomery on IR. He's out about three to five weeks with his knee injury. Packers, they placed corner Jair Alexander on IR. He has a shoulder injury. Um, hoping he can just rehab and put off surgery. The Niners, they placed tight end George Kittle on IR. He has a calf injury. Should just be out the minimum three games. Raiders, they placed tight end Derek Carrier on IR. Um, he has a torn pec. He is done for the year. <clears throat> Patriots, they placed offensive tackle Trent Brown on IR. Broncos did the same with tight end Albert Owubunum. Um, he has a hamstring injury. Bears, uh, they placed linebacker Danny Trevathan on IR. Or no, they activated him from IR. I, should, I got in the habit of just saying they were putting people on IR. Activated Danny Trevathan from IR. Broncos did the same with corner Ronald Darby. Um, and injuries from yesterday's games. Bronc uh, the Bengals, quarterback Joe Burrow, he went to the hospital. After the game, he had a uh, throat contusion. I still don't, still don't know what that looks like, but that's what we like to see. Mark Andrews um, was weird because the uh, Browns linebacker, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, he also had a throat contusion. <laughs> That is rare that you have two in one week. Uh, Giants, running back Saquon Barkley, he has a low ankle sprain, hopes to miss just this week coming up. Also with the Giants wide receiver Kenny Galladay, he hyperextended his knee yesterday, um, is going to miss this week, but uh, should be just one to two week injury there for Kenny Galladay. Chargers offensive lineman Ode Abalshi, he tore his ACL. He is done for the year. Steelers wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster, he is also done for the year. He has, He's going to have shoulder surgery this week. Um, he's gonna, They're going to do a reduction on his shoulder after he dislocated it, um, which the dislocation often leads to a, a labral tear, so that's why they're doing a reduction. Don't ask me what a reduction is because I – don't know. <laughs> That's too medical for me. And he should be out about four months, so realistically the season. Chiefs guard Joe Tooney, he has a fractured hand. Entered it in the first quarter, but played the rest of the game. They just put a cast on it. Oh yeah, Mark Andrews caught the ball! Let's go, baby! <laughs> uh, Cardinals, tight end Max Williams. 
feared to have suffered a season-ending knee injury would be a pretty big blow for the Cardinals. Not a pretty big blow, but he was having a really good year for the Cards. Oh, my God, an incomplete pass. Dang it. Son uh, Bucks quarterback Tom Brady, he's dealing with a thumb injury. Uh, but he should be good to go for Thursday Night Football. Bengals, uh, or no, I already said that one. <clears throat> Joe Burrow is okay after his throat contusion. The Bucks linebacker Devontae da- uh, Levante David, he has a low ankle sprain. He's going to be out for Thursday Night Football and is week to week. Lions wide receiver Quintez Cephas, he broke his collarbone this weekend. He is most likely done for the year. Texans left tackle Laramie Tunsil, he has a torn uh, UCL uh, ulnar collateral ligament, if I am right. I believe I am right. (laughs) In his thumb. Um, He's going to try to play through it for the rest of the season without having surgery. Um and then have surgery in the offseason. But we'll see if he can or not. Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he has an MCL sprain. He's going to be out a few weeks. Uh, Wide receiver Tyreek Hill, he has a minor knee injury, isn't expected to miss any games. Patriots running back Damian Harris, he is okay after having rib and chest injuries, but is considered day-to-day. Uh... Rookie quarterback news. Bears quarterback Justin Fields, he hyperextended his knee during the game against the Raiders, but he is going to be good to go. Um, And then biggest news, I think, of the day, really. uh, Niners quarterback Trey Lance, he is going to miss one to two weeks with a sprained left knee. Now, Niners are on a bye this week. But the week after that, if Lance misses, I think Jimmy G is good to go now. I believe he's back from his injury. Um, so possibly we could have Jimmy G starting again in two weeks. Well, that, that uh, maybe coils some of the 49er fans, you know, that that are like the Bears fans. Let's stop having this com- conversation, move on from one quarterback <laughs> to our new one. Yeah, it's funny because Dalton played it for the Bears this week when, when Fields went out for a couple plays too. A um, couple guys hoping to play this week. Panthers head coach Matt Rule said um, he hopes that Christian McCaffrey will play this weekend. And, I would uh, hope so. The Bucks tight end Rob Gronkowski, he's close to returning and could be back on Thursday night football. The uh, two more things here. The Bills... They signed corner Teron Johnson to a three-year, $24 million extension, $14 million guaranteed. Really great signing by them. I mean, he signs that, and then he goes out on national television on Sunday Night Football and balls out. I mean, <laughs> great, great signing by Buffalo. And, I mean, Brandon Bean is just a monster <laughs> at the GM's position. And then the finally, yo, go ahead. Um, finally, the Steelers, they are bringing in wide receiver Anthony Miller for a physical tomorrow with the Juju injury, trying to bolster wide receiver depth. <laughs> Look, I just got the uh, sport management email from Georgia asking for game day volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming, Mark. I'm coming down. <laughs> hey, you got a bed. 
If I only had the money. <laughs> if I could just teleport there, that'd be fine. I just got to build a teleportation device. I am working on it. All right, that's uh, all. Tesla owner and I are working on it. What's his name? <laughs> that's all the NFL news. I cannot believe the Colts defense has stopped the Ravens twice. Three and out. That's no bueno. I need points from Mark Andrews. But if if Carson Wentz wants to keep throwing the ball to, to Jonathan Taylor, that's fine. That's a that's a point per reception. We'd love to see that. I need all the points I can get from Jonathan Taylor and Mark Andrews tonight. Granted, Mark Andrews not as much because I'm playing him. I'm playing Chris in our Dynasty League, and he has Mark Andrews and Justin Tucker versus Jonathan Taylor, and I'm up by four points to start the night. I'm sure I'm up a lot more now because of a 76-yard touchdown reception for Jonathan Taylor on the third play of the game. But, uh, oh, my God, dude, they are feeding. They are absolutely feeding Jonathan Taylor right now. But anyways, pick standings. I'm still one back. I know. I picked the Eagles last week on Monday Night Football. That's fine. Or, or not last week, two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, we, we went 2-0 again. We picked... Um, who did we pick? We picked the Chargers on Monday night, and we picked the Rams on Thursday night. LA teams, yep. So, yeah. Let's see if we can get one. We're not looking good right now. This is this is not looking good at all. <laughs> and uh, the 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 Colts are are dominating the Ravens right now. That's absolutely dominating. They're running it at will. They're throwing it at will. And that's exactly the opposite. We all know how well the Ravens run the ball, and so that's why I went with them. Some I keep talking about this in, intuition, right? That's one thing I don't like about being someone that picks because my gut will tell me something, and then stats will tell me something, and I went with the stats in Monday Night Football, and I just thought that the Ravens would push around, uh, get creative with Lamar Jackson, and I thought the Colts won last week against the Dolphins because of how bad the Dolphins' offense is. Um, but maybe this is it, uh, the, the pivotal moment in the cult season since we have it on in the background where they turn around their season, right? And then it's not a tough division down there. Like, they're going to be competing with the Titans, right? It's, it's them and the Titans. And 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 what if this is what this is Carson Wentz? Revitalization of Carson Wentz right now. I mean, that throw that he just made on the sideline to, to Zach Pascal was – was great or ashton not that ashton Dulean. wow malone university look at that i don't even know where the heck that is if, if if the ravens do lose this only solidifies the bills i think as as a juggernaut with everything else is going oh, yeah. on oh yeah and i would i you know i'm fine with i'm fine with having the ravens lose that loses me money unfortunately but um it's good for the Steelers. They're only if the Ravens lose, the Steelers are one game back. I mean, Bengals Browns already lost this weekend. So, all right. Um, actually, before we get to the Thursday night game, though, we do have three games in between our shows for college football this week. One is tomorrow. There's there's a college football game tomorrow night. Tuesday night football. <laughs> 
It is a Sunbelt matchup. Appalachian State, 4-1. and one. They are three-point favorites at Louisiana. It's a big game, too. That's a big game to have on a Tuesday. 4-1 four against 4-1. I don't agree with that. I understand they're not <laughs> power fives, but that is two fun football teams to watch with both great college towns, by the way. It's, it's Chase Bryce versus Levi Lewis. What a quarterback matchup. Um, 7.30 p.m. ESPN 2 tomorrow night. I'll be watching it while I'm grinding at the law school. Um, Also, two Thursday night college games here. Your Navy midshipman, Mark. (laughs) One and four. They are at Memphis, who are three and three. Eight and a half point favorites are the Tigers um, of Memphis. Over-under is 53. Forgot to say, over-under 55 for the App State Louisiana game. Over-under 53 for the Navy Memphis game. 7.30 7.30 ESPN on Thursday night. The other college game, Georgia Southern, 2-4 and four at South Alabama, who is 3-2. Uh, the South Alabama Jags getting three points, and the over-under is 50 in that one. 7.30 ESPNU. A rebound game for South Alabama. Yes. Thursday Night Football, Buccaneers 4-1, seven-point favorites in Philadelphia at the link. Eagles are coming off big win over the Panthers. Um, and that's why I'm picking the Bucks. Because, like I told you pre-show, if they, I was banking on the Eagles to lose to the Panthers, and then the, this game on a Thursday night short week would be the one that they get, the one that they trap Tom Brady. I just think now they already have that win. They don't need a win now. Bucks what, what, just denial demolished the the, the Dolphins. What so. I tell you about my intuition? Something about the Eagles. They look just don't mess with them. Not a great team, but don't mess with them. Versus stats, and so I went back with the stats. I went back with the eye test and the Buccaneers passes. So I picked it, but I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles win. 31-30, or they at least cover. I do believe the Buccaneers are the best, you know, better team, not the best, better team. They have a lot more weapons. But the Eagles, what if they find their groove? And when we're talking about it in week 14, Cowboys and Eagles right there jockeying for position. What I will say is, what if the fans bring the masks back out? Oh, man. The dog, underdog mentality, I don't think will be bigger, any bigger than it will be in this game. Uh, Screw. Because, Screw. Especially because they're playing Brady. Especially because they're playing Brady. Screw coming to Athens. We're meeting in Philly, baby. And we're having. She's sex, and I'm buying us tickets, and we're meeting there on Thursday. The issue is is that Brandon Graham's not playing this game. If Brandon Graham was playing this game, I probably would have picked the Eagles. Because of the strip sack in Super Bowl 52, Brandon Graham of Tom Brady, that changed the game. That would have been different. Unfortunately, Graham's out for the year, torn Achilles. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Bucks are going to win, and Eagles defense just won't have any answers. For the weapons. Especially, you know, if Gronk's coming back too, I mean, come on. 
I think AB and Leonard Fournette are, are the two keys in this game. I don't know. Eagles have a really good run defense. I know they gave up 100 yards to Tuba Hubbard, but I well, think, think highly of their run think, defense, though. I think how much can the run game get going to set up A.B. or Mike Evans or who, whoever you want to throw it at because they have 100 F and receive. That was an offsides, but uh, it looks like they're going to get turnover. Wow, that was by far offsides, but okay, whatever, cool. Over-under for this one is uh, 53. Forgot to say, tonight's game over-under is 46, very low. Um, 8.15, it's going on right now on ESPN. Thursday night, over-under is 53. I will be on a booze cruise. I'll be on a boat for this game. Um, And it's semi-formal, so I won't be able to wear my Eagles stuff. I think I... um, I'll have some sort of Eagles thing on. I don't know. I don't have an Eagles suit, unfortunately. I wasn't going to go with the tie, but maybe I go with the green tie. I don't know. Um, Overrunners 53-820 on Fox and NFL Network. I'm hoping I'll be able to watch it. I might, I might have to stream it, though. Next week! Week 6. We will be recapping all the games. Mark, we will not take freaking four hours next week. <laughs> This always happens with you and I. We get we get talkative. Um, exactly why we need a video editor to cut this stuff out. <laughs> Put only the important pieces on social media. But I don't have money to pay people, and I don't know enough people that are video editors. So uh, well, I have to look become an expert. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but anyways, next week we will be previewing the Monday night football game, Bills at Titans. And the Thursday night game, Broncos at the Cleveland Browns. Both interesting. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media, at FAA Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. FAAPodcast.com is our website. Check us out here on YouTube, Facebook as well. And all of our podcast listening mediums, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And iHeartRadio. I think I think they're on a couple other ones too. I don't know. I don't know where we're at. But anyways, that's our show for today. Thank you, Mark, and we will see you for Football Friday. <laughs>